In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. You're listening to the Verhoeven Effect Podcast. I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. And today we have another very special episode. We have the 1996 movie White Squall. Nathan, do you have a history with the movie White Squall? I saw this, um, I believe I, I've rented this and watched it in, in like, I don't know, 97, 98, something like that. Back when Blockbuster was still a thing. <laughs> so that tells you how long ago that was children blockbuster was a place where you, where you rented vhs tapes a vhs is a <laughs> tape to tape digital tape to tape device that you know it was an amazing thing in its time but what made you want to pick it up just because it was the ridley scott thing yeah or? because i like ridley scott and okay but 90, the 90s are what I like to call Ridley Scott's wilderness period, where he was <laughs> kind of like lost in the woods, uh, making oh, yeah, yeah. really weird. I mean, he made Thelma and Louise, which was like a big hit. And then we had uh, Conquest of Paradise, which was like kind of cool, but just weird and boring. And we yeah. had White Squall and then G.I. Jane. Yeah, G.I. Jane. Well, see, so you have, like, 91 is Thelma Louise, which is kind of like, all right, Ridley Scott's back because he, because even though Blade Runner we see as, like, a tentpole, it's like that was ultimately a failure, and he kind of, like, every movie he made in the 80s was kind of a failure. Yeah, because after uh, that he had, like, Legend, Someone to Watch Over Me, and then Black <laughs> Rain. Like, that That was post-Blade Runner. <laughs> and Thelma Louise, he's kind of back, and that was kind of a kind of low-key movie, but it was very famous. Uh, you know, successful as far as I know. So that that comes out in 91. This comes out in like, does he do something in between? Oh, yeah, he does the 1492 movie. Yeah. Which I remember like looked good and was very expensive, but I don't remember people necessarily like liking it or it being successful. <laughs> it was uh, a lot of the cool, like, we're going to do like modern music and, and, but we're going to talk about like, you know, Christopher Columbus and all that. And, it, you know, it's, I think who was in that? forget it was a cool cast too it was like, like gerard depardieu was the main guy and oh, okay. uh, amanda sante was in it and i remember like uh scorny weaver played the queen i forget which one of spain <laughs> um can't remember and uh, yeah it was kind of like a cool like international cast uh, uh, you know it was, it was sort of an impression of of columbus's voyage like it looked really cool but it was just boring i mean i've literally watched it like twice and it's like okay i'm done <laughs> so it does that in 92 and then four years later this movie comes out which i guess the history out sort of half the history on this movie is everybody's ready to make a movie called like oh it was like hot zone or something like that yeah and then like it just got pulled away at the last second and then this was available so he just took it <laughs> okay that sounds about right so you go from 92 to 96 this movie comes out next year gi jane comes out 
two years later he does gladiator which completely changes his whole career and he can basically do whatever he wants after that yeah because it was not only critically successful as like the number one movie of that year yeah <laughs> it's everyone still remembers that movie like it's... <laughs> and the sequel's being worked on still yeah and i think it's that well i think it's still somewhat based on that crazy script that like Oh, was it like Tom Waits wrote or something? Oh, good. <laughs> that Air 2 by Tom Waits. I'm not sure if it's still that, but it like had some crazy stuff where it's like, you know, like we're doing battles in heaven and stuff like that. Nice. I've, I'm in. I, do, I don't know if they're doing that, but, it's like, <laughs> but I did enjoy that. Like, let's combine like Gridley or Gridley, Ridley Scott, like obsession with like, uh medieval combat and combine it together with like alien like dream stuff <laughs> just combine his universes that he's known for and maybe sprinkle in some brave blade runner yeah <laughs> these are the dreams that the androids dream of. <laughs> just, just have an actual unicorn that's painted silver <laughs> and like uh, that led to the fall of the roman empire <laughs> It's, and actually, Gladiator Two is just is this like the, the the cinematic reboot of 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 like Assassin's Creed. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, there's a weird thing with like video games and movies now, where it's like, because for the most time, it's like people are like, it's like people get the rights to make movies based on video games, and then just like it's it's nobody cares about it. Yeah, like they don't put the money in to produce it. Nobody cares if it has a good result. It's just like. Well, we bought a license to something that millions of people knows about, so maybe we'll get lucky. <laughs> um, the best example of that was the Super Mario Brothers movie, the original one. <laughs> it's like, hey, just let's have as abstract. What if David Lynch directed this? Like, let's just yeah. go with that and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, unfortunately, but you don't think he did. Like, okay. Yeah, which is like incredibly disappointing at the time, and is now have like has a weird resurgence now where people like it for being just super weird, unnecessarily weird, and like completely like separating itself from its source material other than like the name, yeah, of characters. It's it's actually like really imaginative if you just watch it. It's like, well, this is nuts, and I, but I like it. Um, but then like, so you have the new Super Mario Brothers movie that came out. That's now like the top box office movies and you know almost made two billion dollars. <laughs> and so now people but then there was the other thing, there's the other like kind of economic trend is that so forget it was like the, the Witcher three game came out like I don't know, like six or seven years ago or something. It was a very successful game. But the bulk of their sales came when the show came out. Nice. Okay. Like I usually your sales see where are this like is going. The bulk, yeah. the bulk of your sales come at like when the game is released in the first year. But like after the show came out, like there was just a resurgence of sales and like the bulk of their sales came after the show came out. So now there's something now there's something kinda of going on. It's like, oh, we should make shows and movies to help advertise the video games. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which could actually i don't know what that would mean I, I, i'm not a video game guy anymore uh i don't know what that could mean for the quality of the games but i guarantee you, like the stories would be better because 
It's like video game stories. One of the problems with them is they were just like the the thin skeleton that the game wrote on. But yeah. now it's like, oh, we're just gonna make a you know we, we're gonna co-develop this and it's gonna have a solid story. Uh, that could be good. I never yeah, played any of the Witcher games, but I did read some of the books thanks to the TV series. And I, you yeah. know, so what do you think of like the quality of the Witcher uh, books versus the games and that kind of co-development that that seemed to go on, even though it really didn't go on that way? Oh, there's almost oh no development. That that was the thing is like this success was unintended <laughs> at all points. Yeah, because the the show is more based on the books because more control came out of the author for the show and basically the author thought the video game wasn't going to go anywhere so he basically sold his rights away for almost nothing and it became a billion dollar franchise yeah <laughs> so he's very bitter about that yeah <laughs> and so they almost have like so they're just like because they have the same name they kind of have like are interrelated but also like the witcher games uh especially the third one the first two are really cool but they're kind of clunky you know european games yeah. <laughs> like you know they have a you know they very ambitious but it doesn't always it's not always a clean like getaway it's like oh this a lot of this is broken but it's very ambitious uh the third one is pretty much just like anybody can play that game it's still kind of difficult but you can change the settings to make it easier and all that stuff um but they're exceptional storytelling games, like the, how they pose things, uh, how it, how things interact and changes the world based on your choices. Uh, I mean, it's not revolutionary, but it's like cool when you experience. I mean, once you figure it out, once you played a game in real, it's like, oh, there is no good choice. You, there's always two bad endings to every choice. And it's just, which bad ending do you want? Yeah. <laughs> which is very Witcher. So, <laughs> but yeah. So now, but now, like, uh, so now that the the super mario brothers movie is super successful well now N nintendo wants to wrest back control of it and now they're going to produce their own movies now which i don't know how that's going to work i mean they'll probably just go back to because they're using the illumination studios who like they're they did all like the um the despicable me and the uh minions movies and stuff like that which all those movies made a billion dollars and i've never seen one of them so yeah <laughs> but also we always go back to that lion king analogy where it's like there's that lion king 3d animated movie that like neither of us saw because we saw images of it and looked like well that doesn't look good it's, yeah. it's not for us anyway so we just observe it it's the number one animated movie of all time yep. <laughs> and it's the same the second time it's second iteration it's like well the first second one bite of the apple yeah i mean most of that's because ticket prices are way higher now. So that's pretty much where, like, I'm pretty sure if you looked at, like, the attendance thing, it was probably the old one probably had more attendance. But now it just, but also there's the worldwide stuff is just way bigger now. So. Yeah, that, that's like your built-in on any Disney uh, franchise is insane. Yeah. It's like it's always money. It's money, money, money. doesn't matter. And, you know, for kids that don't, like, have like formed opinions and just want to be entertained. I'm sure it's an amazing experience. It's for them that is the original Lion King. It's like this is cool. Just like the original Lion King was cool. Just like the black hole was cool, but it never got that you know <laughs> never got that rebirth. Not even not didn't even get a ride. Nope. <laughs> or did it? I don't know. I don't know. I was, yeah. I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland, so I don't know. I know people that have been and want to hear about the money that's laid out. I'm like, nope. 
That's how I can get <laughs> drunk in my living room. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. There's almost like Reddit threads you got to go to to find out like how you actually attend Disney World because it's like there's people that go there like almost like you know monthly and like you know and they're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they just like know how to go to Disney World. <laughs> I mean, I know a guy that took him and his 11 children. Uh, Jesus. They went down there. Well, I mean, he worked at where I did, and also his wife did something. She was like the accountant for the car dealership the whole family owned. And it was like, <laughs> and they're all Mormons, so it made sense. It's like, yeah, they got that kind of money. It's, he's just there for the health insurance. Like, oh, okay. Uh, and some of those kids were adopted, too, so. They weren't all like, um, like naturally, you know, their kids, but I mean, they were, they raised them that way, but yeah. yeah. And I was just like, uh, what does it cost to take 11 kids to Disney? Oh, it's a lot of money. <laughs> Flying them down there or taking a caravan of kids? <laughs> uh, no, uh, grandpa had a, um, two like bus, bus size Winnebago's. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause of the, I mean, they own like giant car dealership too it's like outside of detroit it's like yeah these people have no <laughs> i mean it's not even that's not his dad it's her he married into it so um, uh, so so white squall came out february 2nd 1996 so it kind of seemed like they were just dumping it out and they didn't know what to do with it yeah because uh, the movie looks away it looks old in a way that i thought like oh this must have come before thelma louise it's like no <laughs> nope <laughs> so yeah of course director is ridley scott we've you know mentioned like hey you know ridley scott we're talking about we've done we did legend before i think with his yeah and also like just you know like uh, one of the few film directors like actually influenced my life uh, in <laughs> terms of like yeah i blade runner like took over my childhood and young adult years uh hey you know, and you're a big fan of alien so yeah and alien too that was always uh, that came later on in life though. It was like early it was always the atmosphere of Blade Runner and then later in life it became No, it's more alien now. It's like yeah, that's <laughs> like really amazing movie. Uh cinematographer is Hugh Johnson who kind of kind of had a long career of doing a uh, camera operator and and like um second unit director stuff. So he didn't he didn't do cinematography in a lot of movies, but he did this in G.I. Jane. And he did Chronicles of Riddick. Okay, good. That's one of my uh, favorite dumb movies. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. I, yeah, I can watch that movie endlessly. <laughs> yes, till underverse take us all. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Cool. <laughs> I like I like your style. I, you know, I was, if I had unlimited amounts of money, it would look like Necromongers lived in my house because it'd just be like statues of grim people and with like weights on their back and it's like yeah that's a cool looking movie it's dumb but it's amazing i mean the whole riddick yeah, yeah. universe is just like what if stupidity was currency it's like that we would make this universe <laughs> and i love it i i unabashedly love the riddick universe i don't know why oh, yeah. it's just I, yeah. cool there's some oh yeah i mean it's well it's, it's very evil but also it's like there's no it's like science evil it's like well, these universes are coming together and they don't mix well. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing magic about it, even though they basically have science magic and stuff like that. Uh, and just like, it's just a bizarre universe because somebody spent the time to give it a backstory that they're not going to explain. Yeah. It's just going to exist. 
and it's up for you to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I've like like done Twitter stuff with David Torrey. It's like, what's the history of you know the Riddick universe? Like, I want to know the economy of bounty hunters because it seems like a combination of like Star Wars bounty hunters and just pure imagination and like you said, evil. It's it's like, where, <laughs> how does this work? What universe does this? It's like, oh yeah, we take people. We collect them for pay, and then we, the prison pays to store them. It's like, well, how does a prison pay off? It's like, well, these people are so evil. It's like, well, none of them really seem super evil except Riddick, who is like the king of evil. And But he just kind of grunts lines, and he's really good with knives. Well, also, like, Riddick doesn't want to be around people, and it's just people's insistence of, like, no, we want to control you. And then he kills everybody when they try to control it. Yeah. It's like... Just let me be alone. <laughs> Nobody will die if, if everybody just left me alone. Yeah, he's not he's not like fundamentally like just evil for the sake of being evil, but yeah, that's uh, so yeah. I never David Tory never got back with me, unfortunately. Didn't, didn't want to explain it to me. Sometimes uh, my heroes do answer me. It's sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Or it's just like a link to a web. It's like, oh, it's here, dumbass. Like, oh, okay. I just wanted to hear it from the voice of the master. Uh, now I, I feel better. <laughs> uh, David Toey has a, uh, or Toey, or how do you spell it? Like I just say David Toey. I, I don't know. He's from Kentucky. Okay. So I don't know. He has a very eccentric, you've seen one of his movies. He's he's wrote, directed, or involved somehow with a movie you've seen. He went, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he's made some movies I really like, uh, <laughs> but I can't I can't defend them adequately. Um, and then, and then he, uh, he did a cinematography on, for Aragon, which I don't know, that's some dragon movie stuff that I don't know about. Is that based on some, like, like yeah, uh, young a regarded young adult books? Okay, and, and it's then, very like well did, regarded. People like it. I but it came out in, I think the books came out in two thousand when I was already well into adulthood and my magic time yeah. was behind me, so I never read it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I don't recognize any of the stuff after that. And then he died in twenty fifteen. So that's that. He was second unit director on Kingdom of Heaven, another one of my favorite Ridley Scott movies. Yeah, I wasn't really that old either. Huh. So it's written by. <laughs> So Charles Geek Jr. and Felix Sutton did the book, which I attempted to look for this f book. Yeah, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to pay thirty dollars for a used copy off Amazon? No, it was three hundred dollars. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even sure if it was the right book because how they list their names in intermittent database is like different from how it's listed on the actual book. It's not called White Squall, it's called like The Last Journey of the Albatross or something like that. Yeah. Um, which one, like, I was trying to look around for it and trying to use, like, methods of finding, like, copies of it. It, it. People made it seem like all the people died on the ship. And so I was going into this movie with a completely different mindset. Because <laughs> they made it sound like they found the diary of Chuck and then some historian went and put, like, some stuff together and then they just made up the book. It's like, oh, no, like, people survived this wreck. So it's like, okay, that's how. Well, the um, book I did find to read about this, and, and I just read it on a website, so I don't know if that counts. But yeah. I, I, I just read about the, uh, the the Albatross, but the book's called Tall Ships Down, The Lost Voyages of, you know, it named a lot of ships, and it was about the Albatross. Okay. And I actually found, now this is, I don't know if this book is written for sailors, and sorry, folks, I'm not a seaman. So <laughs> there was a lot of, like, jargon thrown around in here, but essentially... 
Like I didn't, you know, you think you see the albatross and you're like in the, then the, the ship. Well, let's, let's talk more about the movie and then I'll get into this later. This is like a, I'm backloading a lot of stuff we should talk about towards the end of the podcast, not the beginning. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, uh, the screenplay is written by Todd Robinson who, Oh, he wrote that phantom movie. We like brought up. Yeah. <laughs> like a bit ago. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, also directed remember. it. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. It, like I said, I it's kind of a cool movie, but not really. I don't recognize almost nothing else he did. <laughs> and then I guess he's an executive producer on Chicago PD. So okay, well that's he, he made his bank. Yeah, uh, and cast is Jeff Bridges, Caroline Goodall, John Savage, and a bunch of people you recognize from like I don't know millions of episodes of Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just as children here. <laughs> superstars of the young uh these are 90s uh actors, TV actors. Yeah. That all became very favorable uh very successful adult actors, working actors as they yeah. say. And remember yeah, this was 2 I, I, years I before Ryan... Oh, go ahead. I don't only say Ryan Phillippe is the one that broke out, but all these people were. Yeah. Like all these people like well except for a couple, but there's some people like some of these got, people became like voice actors and have like thousands of credits and stuff like that. So, you know, that's not a lot of money, but it's, it's good work if you can get it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. it beats working, you know, I mean, it beats like, <laughs> I mean, it beats like loading, you know, trucks on a dock or something like, yeah, it's better than that. But you were going to say something about the nineties. Oh, no, I was just going to say, just remember folks, the uh, captain Sheldon skipper in this, this is Jeff Bridges. This is two years before he became the dude. <laughs> no one remembers what Jeff Bridges was before that in modern <laughs> culture. It was like, yeah, this is two years before that. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess this is like Jeff Bridges, a lot of weird movies he did around this time. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Uh, Has the weirdest uh, line delivery of any super famous actor you know. <laughs> but like, I think, well, he did that, was it Conspiracy? That one where like his neighbors are terrorists? <laughs> Oh, Arlington um, Road? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> uh, Another that's one of my favorite the... movies. <laughs> they they did like a remake of this like European serial killer movie where the guy like buries people and says like, well, you're going to have to let me bury you so you can see your wife. And they did a remake of that and he played the killer in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was uh, oh, which one was that? Uh, the Vanishing? Yeah. Where he was Barney? <laughs> I'm Barney. You're going to have to know what she went through. Yeah, yeah. Because that's uh, Jeff Bridges delivers all his dialogue like that. I, he even played the dude like that. I mean, he does it a little more bombastically, but yeah, Jeff Bridges has this way of talking like, I hate my mouth, and this is how I'm going to do dialogue. But the way he looks, because he has great hair, so it's always compelling. Yeah. But I feel like after the dude, he played more like memorable roles and stuff like that. Well, he did Arlington Road after The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, I but after that, like, and he was also in The Contender, he basically played Bill Clinton, but it was a different, because <laughs> he was like the president, and he was like, yeah, I know someone who went against this president, you know, it's like, you're going to tell your kids that, because your political career's over, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, he just does that. And... But he always felt like, like, up until that, up until he was the dude, he was just like kind of a weird character actor that had a famous family. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now he's like kind of a household name. It's like, oh, cool, Jeff Bridges in something. Yeah, and he did, he did some weird movie, another movie with terrorists where Tommy Lee Jones played an Irishman. 
Yeah, it was like blow or blowout or something like that. Yeah, no, it was blown away, blown away, blown away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember that. He was also in the Fisher King. <laughs> what? Wait, oh yeah, he was the main guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was Rob. It was a yeah. The Terry Gilliam's like one of his cool movies that I've watched like twice and never seen it again. <laughs> it's also in Jagged Edge. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one of those Joe Estherhouse written yeah. movies. And Starman. <laughs> I like Starman. Uh, <laughs> John Carpenter. <laughs> yep. And he was Saw also a voice out. in The Last Unicorn. And he was Tron. or he, No, he yeah. wasn't Tron, but he was oh, yeah. Tron's buddy. And then Heaven's uh, Gate. Who can forget that? <laughs> but yeah, Jeff Bridges occupies like a weird space in my mind, though, as a guy that with great hair who does some cool stuff but really delivers dialogue in the strangest way. I just oh, notice that whenever I know it's him and when he's being serious, he has a way of doing it where it's like, this is weird. <laughs> There's a movie I know we have to watch at some point because I saw a trailer for it and I was like, this looks like Thief, but like a 70 ver- 70s version of Thief. Okay. Even though Thief was like 1980. Where it's like, it's Jeff Bridges and Clint Eastwood. It's, I think it's called like Thunderfoot and Lightfoot, and they use like a cannon to rob a bank. Oh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? Yeah, the, the yeah. artillery bank robbers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's using an Erlikon. Like, you remember that from Charlie Wilson's War? <laughs> I remember I saw a trailer for that. I was like, I've never seen this movie. This looks fun and stupid. We got to watch this sometime. So. Yeah, one of them's Thunderbolt, one of them's Lightfoot. I think it's Clint Eastwood's Thunderbolt because he's the artillery guy. I watched it a long time ago, but yeah, I'd have to rewatch that. So we have Act One. Here we got some of the credit stuff. We have Scott Free, uh, which I didn't know it went back this far. I always, I always remember Scott Free Productions like after Gladiator, and it's like, yeah, that's when him and his brother just started producing, you know, fifty movies every year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't know it goes back this far. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't even know when it started, but you know, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, maybe after Thumb Louise, I don't know. But yeah, well, this is one of those ones that had like the double Disney, because it was like been uh, produced or made by Scott Free Productions, produced by, and then Buena Vista like, Pictures, and then Hollywood Pictures. Hollywood Pictures yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's a Disney film, <laughs> Disney yeah, for <that's>... adults. <laughs> Yeah, usually that's when when Disney released rated R or PG thirteen movies. They'd use Buena Vista and Hollywood yeah. uh, videos. That's what they'd throw on there because this was PG thirteen. But I I don't think Dis- at that time Disney might have only released G movies under the Disney banner. Uh, yeah, it's a it's kind of different now, but because um, they own everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different now. But yeah, like they because that was like on the movie Dead Presidents, which is a rated R movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's produced by Disney. <laughs> well, I believe Here. with this movie though, the production costs were almost completely onboarded by Scott Free, and I oh, okay. I think Buena Vista and Hollywood only distributed it because it's really hard oh, okay. to find a good. Because well, um, I remember like Kino did a DVD of this. You know, Kino like they always do like the foreign films and the indie films. Oh, okay. So this is all um, this is borderline indie film. Um, because there wasn't like a great deal of confidence in it, um, and some of that was actually justified, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, we do get weird credits that are like it's it's like if you pointed a camera at the ocean and it bobbed up and down towards the camera, and then you just laid the credits on top of the bobbing water. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going on here. So it's just weird because you can't tell that it's like 
trying to mimic water at first because you don't there's no definition of the water at first it's just it's just white titles floating in the, in the black <laughs> yeah and then eventually you kind of get some of like oh it's water uh we fade in we get some dad calling over his adult teenager <laughs> yeah 25 year old 15 year old son <laughs> He's like playing fetch with the dog. Yeah, he's, he looks ridiculous. This felt like this was like a, a scene added later or something because he, he seems to be look younger in the rest of the movie. Here they just put up like a baseball cap on him and he looks really stupid. Like, like they might as well just put it like a spinning thing on top of his hat and gave him a f-ing lollipop. It's like, yeah. I'm 15 years old. Yeah. He has a, a very 50s looking like, you know, teenager. <laughs> Oh, shucks, um, Dad. I'm going to go on a boat and smoke and drink and have sex with Caribbean <laughs> prostitutes and a bunch of Dutch girls. Uh, we get titles, Mystic, Connecticut, 1960. Uh, Sounds like a cool guy, place to live. <laughs> uh, what's Mystic River? <laughs> Is that like in Boston or something? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, that's one of those horrible one. accent movies that came out <laughs> oh, shit, Andy what are we gonna do these f-ing guys they're out here they're raping the kids <laughs> Tommy why are you raping the kids it's like wh- what is this what are they speaking English what are they doing here uh, I don't know that, I forget the guy who wrote those books but like they all got made into movies <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's called the Boston trilogy or something and then really the best one was the one that's not related to it. And that was the Ben Affleck, let's make a heist movie, which is the best one. I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but it's a great movie. Well, those movies make you feel like I could go to Boston and be the king of crime because it looks like yeah. it's easy to just, it's like it's adventurous. Run by- <laughs> <laughs> it's run by weird Irish people that own flower shops and could, could be killed easily. And I could be the <laughs> king of Boston. We also got, it says credits as a true story. Uh, the the dad is worried about the ocean trip thing that he's going on because it, he said it won't get him into college. So again, then th- th- you know this immediately makes my eyes roll. <laughs> well, so this is um, 1961, I think, too. So, well, it says 1960 here in the credits, but like I don't know when it is. Like it's got to be the fall because eventually they're at sea for so long it becomes 1961. Yeah, I mean, the Cuban uh, Missile Crisis is going on when they're at sea, so. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't pick up on that. That would be more interesting. Because there was a whole thing looming here where I thought, like, I thought there was something that's like, oh, wait, we're not in Vietnam yet. Uh, at least I don't, no, no, we're not in Vietnam yet. Well, there's and advisors, like, but yeah. <laughs> but the thing I was like, oh, I thought, I thought there was going to be something like the dad was worried about him getting to college because that meant him not getting drafted to Vietnam. Which is ironic because at the end of the movie you realize, well, I didn't say they were drafted. They said they went to Vietnam. Yeah, so. some of them did. That they came back fine because they'd already had their near-death card punched and lived through it. So it's like, yeah, they just could walk into gunfire and it wouldn't affect them. Either that or they were officers and got a cushy gig where they never were on the front lines. Um, although when you hear stuff about Vietnam, it's like, well, man, there was no, there's no back lines. There's no front lines. Danger was everywhere. So. Yeah, that's when we uh, decided to like, yeah, we'll, we'll just do strategic hamlets and fire bases. Well, like the battlefield's potentially everywhere. 
And, you know, how can we lose with like a dedicated, psychotic native population that's just basically been fighting every foreign power you can think of for the last 200 years? Like, we're going to show them how how it works. And it's like, oh, wow, that didn't happen. Well, yeah, it's also when you try to run a war on statistics and it's like, well, what's the best way to judge whether we're good at war? It's like, well, what's the body count on either side? And it's like, well, if we judge a war by that, America's never lost any war it's ever participated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nothing is more expensive than taking an american life <laughs> yeah i mean there is a certain logic to math war but it's a certain cold logic that's like yeah it's yeah this 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 b factor you're trying to work into this equation is a human life <laughs> well not in the places where god pays attention it's like oh yeah you're, you're right okay <laughs> you got me there mr mcnamara <laughs> Uh, we cut to a bus station. Here we get it's Chuck Geeg. Yep. Uh, it's played by Scott Wolf. He's probably most notable for uh, uh, Party of Five, where he's kind of played the second banana there. Okay. Uh, here he kind of seems like somebody who'd be like, "Hey, do you want Tom Cruise, but like a B-level Tom Cruise? He really looks like a young Tom Cruise in this movie." Yeah. But I think but I think Scott Wolf is like even shorter than Tom Cruise, so nobody really picked up on him being like a leading man. <laughs> I don't know, I haven't seen him anything about it. If you have his 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 IMDB up, what's the latest thing Scott Wolf has been in? Let's see. There was like a ten year hiatus in movies between Meet My Valentine and Trunks, neither movie I can click on. But let's <laughs> see, television we have Saved by the Bell. Kids Incorporated, The Commish. Remember that one? Yeah. It's one of those police movies. NCIS for a couple years. Uh, Spin huh. City for one year. Everwood for two years. The night, Yeah, so he's been working on like just CSI type stuff. Okay. Uh, Voltron, Legendary but, Defender. But these are all like guest appearances. It's not like he's like the main. No, he's, he's like a, he's like a, well, there's a, Movie where he plays like a doctor called The Night Shift or a TV show. He was in like 35 episodes. Huh. He was in the the remake of V that I never saw. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, we got to the bus yeah, station. Yeah, the Party of Fives like his big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chuck's being seen off by his parents. Um, so he's going off to this Ocean Academy thing. Um, the boat's called the Ab- Albatross. Yep. Um which is supposed to be seen as ominous because that's also like a thing for like a, what do you call it? It's like a burden when you say it's like something is an albatross. Uh, yeah, an albatross is like a... Um, I mean, it's a bird, but when yeah. you say something, when you like, in a context of a like an event, when you say something is an albatross, it's like something, a burden being hung on your neck or something like that. Yeah, it's basically like just a false... Uh, it's, like, it's like I'm going to throw a lot of energy into pursuing a false... Uh, or, or, or a failed outcome. It's like, oh yeah, it's like the, you know, like the, like the Valkyrie supersonic bomber turned out to be an albatross, even though it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a Mach three capable bomber that like the Russians can't shoot down. But then like, oh, the Russians can actually easily shoot it down because it's just a <laughs> missile traveling in a straight line, and you can just use math to predict where it is. And also, you can only put one small bomb in it, or you can, or it has to be a, an insanely powerful bomb. And it's like, yeah, and we spent billions developing this thing. It's like really cool. It works, but ultimately an albatross because it doesn't get us to what we need to be. <laughs> Also, an albatross 
is good luck for sailors in nautical terms because like there was a famous book i don't know if it's old man in the sea or anyway someone kills an albatross and like the ship's screwed because of it so it's it's a, it's multi-level thing yeah so apparently like this whole ocean academy thing is like means he's skipping his last year of high school and this like takes its place yeah which i didn't understand till like halfway in the movie when they're doing like homework and shit like oh they're still in school it's just on a boat yeah <laughs> they're basically studying for the sat yeah which did that exist at the time or how long has that existed i i well they mentioned it by name twice so yeah oh I, they do yeah. i i i remember they were mentioning scores that seemed like they would be an sat thing yeah because the one guy sure. got like oh you got an 1100 and you told us you couldn't read it's like well that doesn't sound right but you know okay. <laughs> maybe i guess i didn't try hard enough uh, who knows <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I never took the SATs. I only took the ACTs. <laughs> oh, I took it once. It was. They said, "Oh, you're really good at like literature and and stuff, but you're horrible at math." It's like, thanks. I already knew that. <laughs> so I, I gained nothing for the experience, but I did take it. Uh, but and Chuck it confirmed what I already knew: sending me to college <laughs> would be a waste of money. So it's like, well, yeah. Oh, was it free to take the test? <laughs> no, I had to pay for it. <laughs> it was okay. like $130 at the time. That was in the 90s. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> well, I don't know. Grayson took it like five times. So, um, but he's got he's got to take like a Greyhound to like Miami, and then he takes like a, a a plane from Miami to the Caribbeans or something. I assume it's that. Like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how those islands work. They seem to be in a lot of different places. <laughs> um, uh, then we like at the airport we see like uh, the 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 young crew guys are there and they're kind of like getting to know each other. They take a rickety transport like they're literally like hanging off the side of the truck yeah. <laughs> while they're taking them. To the... So they get to the boat. They seem disappointed because they're like the boat's in bad shape and they just show it kind of having rust all over it and stuff like that. But like I don't know, they clean it up later on. Yeah, it looks cool later. We get some guys, some crew guys quoting the Tempest for some reason. I, 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 all this Tempest stuff is going over my head. I've never really read Shakespeare, so I don't know. That a lot of the the Tempest stuff or the Shakespeare quotes mean a lot to you in this. That this is like, was this bringing um uh, like, was this foreshadowing for oh yeah Shakespeare heads out there? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it it all makes sense. I mean, it's like they were <laughs> quoting the right stuff from the right play. For it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna have an adventure at sea. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tempest is basically a whirlpool that sucks ships down so yeah and that's kind of how the in the play is like a metaphor for that uh for you know our, our our terrible voyage through life that just ends in sink sinking which is death and it's like yep yeah, they're doing it right i think yeah this is i think this is john savage he plays mccray which yeah. i thought once i thought he was just like the XL or something like that or whatever would be in this parlance and then somebody says like oh he's the english teacher and i thought they were i thought they were just saying that as like a joke it's like oh this is the guy quotes shakespeare so he's the english teacher but really he's a crewman it's like no he's literally like the english teacher and he's a crewman but yeah whatever yeah he's more of um uh, what would you say it's like he's kind of like uh, if we could have got um Oh, because this movie parallels a lot with uh, um, oh, what's the guy? Damn it, like Robin Williams. Like if we if we could have got Robin Williams to be in the movie, this would be the character he would play. Yeah, because this is like Dead Poet Society at, at sea in a way, uh, or at, le at least it seems to like. I don't I don't think they copied from it or or anything, but I, it seems to be like a similar thing. 
Only the, the death is different. <laughs> the origins of the death are different. I mean, this is based on like boarding school stuff, right? Yeah, I, that's what I'm assuming. Okay, I have see this stuff that's like exists in movies for like I don't know. They make a boarding school movie essentially every year. I have no idea what goes on at a boarding school or why they exist or what they exist for. It seems to be for rich people, but like run by evil people and all these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't boarding school. I don't know what boarding schools really are, but I can tell you from the impressions that I get from people who went to them and then write a write fictional stories about them. They're not nice places. It's <laughs> it's like oh, we punish our rich children here because yeah. mom and dad don't want to deal with them because they're drunks or they're stressed out or or both or all of those things. So yeah, so yeah, again. Something that's Hollywood has perpetuated for years. I have no understanding. Yeah, it's like I never even, you know, it's like, okay, cool. That's what rich people do. I mean, this is a true story, but it's still, I don't, you know. And, like, you know, boarding schools are real things. I just I don't understand them. I've only seen them in movies, so. Yeah. Then we have a young Ryan Philippi shows up. He plays the weird Gil Martin, and he just has a picture of his brother, and he just mentions that he's dead. And here he starts, his character starts out, he seems like he's autistic. You know, years before we probably knew what that thing. I mean, we had there was autistic people back then, but uh, in the '90s, everyone was just some version of. <laughs> you know, everyone that was slightly off, they would refer to them as retards. Yeah, that would just be the full blanket thing because we had no understanding of, you know, oh, someone's weird. Is there a medical reason for it? It's like no, someone's weird. They're doing it intentionally. We don't like them. So yeah, he's just messing with you. <laughs> when you shake his hand and he screams it's like that's because he's he's the problem but like he I don't know, later on in the movie he doesn't seem to have autism he just seems to be like weird well, he's traumatized because, yeah he's someone who's but dealing also, with trauma that of something that happened and he says right up my brother died here's his picture like that's how he <laughs> introduces himself because that has taken up such a large space in his head it's like this yeah. you must know this about me this is a defining thing in my life because I really, I'm just a young man. Who've, that's the biggest thing that's ever happened to me, um, <laughs> which is kind of sad and endearing in a way. Uh, but um, a lot of people would find it off-putting to meet someone and immediately be told about the, you know, the, 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 the ill-fated death of a family member. It's like, huh, that's sad. Why did you start off? That's not, a, that's not a good opening move conversationally. But, you know, when you're a young kid, you know, yeah, and you're awkward in meeting strangers. You might say something weird like that. <laughs> hey, what's that picture of? Why is that your one possession? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I say awkward things when I meet strangers, too, but that's also because I don't like people. I don't really want to be anyone's <laughs> friend. It's like, oh, man, that was a little off-putting. It's like, yes, that, by um, design. <laughs> the crew is introduced. We have the ship surgeon, Dr. Al Sheldon. We get the cook. And Jeff Bridges as Captain Sheldon. Well, I just referred everyone just says the skipper or skipper, so that's why I call him for the rest of my notes. I think. Yeah. And of course, that means like, oh, like the captain, and the doctor are, are husband and wife. So here they have him being like kind of intimidating. Like he's, but that, like they play it off like he's really intimidating. Like he's Arlie Ermy <laughs> popping up in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some trivia I read said that Jeff Bridges was actually in the uh, the Coast Guard. But, oh, okay. So, I don't know. <laughs> and we cut to the next day. McCray's waking everybody up. They get a head count and make everybody swim. You know, they're just dumping people in there. <laughs> like, yeah, go swim. No, you know, no direction, no goal. Just hop in the water and come back. <laughs> and 
and then like the bad boy of the group like challenges like the head i don't know he's like the first mate like it's robert march is the first mate and he's just like a kid um which presumably he just does this every year as well or something i'm not sure but it's it's presumed that he's done this multiple years i think yeah i i didn't i didn't really exactly understand that but yeah i think he was like oh he's a student who just stayed on yeah um so he's young enough to relate to the kids but enough of a sea salt to know that like oh this is how you do it <laughs> but i mean yeah it's uh the, the bad boy dean like basically is like yeah i'm not swimming i'm not being told what to do i do what i want and so he challenges like the the march here to like hey why don't you go swim for your breakfast and so he he goes and climbs them like a mast and jumps off of it and then dean climbs all like basically all the way to the top of the ship and you know does a spin move and a gainer or what i don't even know what a gainer means <laughs> yeah whatever he, he does like a diving move off the top of the, the mast to, to impress everybody and somehow doesn't kill himself so yeah i don't know was diving big at the time i don't know i think yeah i think in some places i, I it's like an east coast thing well, it seemed like they like really held on to like all this this diving moment in the movie. I'm like, is this important? <laughs> I guess it's only it's yeah, it's important if you don't break your neck. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but why are we shooting this in slow motion and really like like I don't think anything else in the movie is shot in slow motion, but this is. It establishes something about this character. He knows how to dive. <laughs> for and, no reason <laughs> and he's like the james dean of like rich kids that yeah. go to you're not gonna push me around yeah he's illiterate and can't do math but he can dive yeah. <laughs> that's his character <laughs> and he can smoke and he can sm oh everyone smokes in this it's like oh this yeah was well, yeah must well, have been a wonderful only, time yeah at first he's like the only one that smoked and then like like literally like a scene later like almost everybody else is smoking uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I can't remember, when, but I think at this time you could smoke when you were like 16, because I don't think it came until like, you know, you couldn't smoke until you're 18 to like, like, like the 70s or something like that. I can't remember. It was like pretty late when you think like, oh, they didn't stop children from smoking until like the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember, but well, it's also a state thing. So I think. I don't know. Well, they're not in the U.S., so I guess you can just do whatever you want. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they're drinking later on. So yeah. <laughs> but again, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. I guess I don't drink or smoke, so I like I don't have to come up to these these uh, these gateways of like <laughs> oh, I need to drink and smoke. How does this happen? It's like, well, what if you just didn't need to drink or smoke? Yeah. See, I always <laughs> pounded my head into those fun barriers in my life. <laughs> I thought the twenty-year-old drinking age, twenty-one-year-old drinking age, was like bullshit. It's like, oh, this is insane. <laughs> How am I supposed to live day to day without, you know, no, I'm kidding. I was not a, I'm not a day drinker now. I wasn't even when I was a kid. So, but yeah, I wrote, uh, yeah, Dean does a, an even higher leap off. He does an elaborate dive. And then I wrote, this is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie was a lot more, aw shucks than I remember it being. <laughs> I think they're just trying to inhabit the time that they're in, in I the guess. movie. Well, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's unfair. There's a lot, I was watching the, the new season of Hard Docs, and there's a lot of just like, you know, fun, but empty gestures about like teamwork and coming together. And, you know, it's like, 
like I know what you mean here, but this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is people with like this emotional trauma from whatever their parents are doing. Because basically, like we'll go back to the talking about boarding schools. What I thought about boarding schools, you know, like remember American Psycho, like the main character in that. Yeah. That's why you you send your kids to boarding school to become that. It's like, oh, I want my child to be distant and cold and emotionally dead. That's where you send them to learn that because if they want to be future rich people, that's how they, they always seem to be that way. Um, at least in Hollywood. This is the whole Hollywood universe. So, yeah, but in this movie, it's like, no, we send the, you know, send them to see to, you know, just teach them some, you know, lessons about survival and working together, which, yeah, like sometimes that works, but sometimes that just like brings out the worst aspects of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, so well, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, in football, it's like, yeah, these guys are all professionals. So, yeah, you can have these let's-come-together speeches that, like, are ultimately meaningless. But if you can trick a millionaire athlete, a one-of-a-kind athlete, into working, like, 1% better, then that will mean wins on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because his talent by, by that X factor of bullshit, like, oh, yeah, we could have a winning season. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's worth Here, your time to do those coach speeches. <laughs> Here, all this motivation is, it's like, okay, these guys are all strangers. They're unprofessionals. So, of course, this is how you train them, by just throwing them into the fire. Yeah. And having them figure it out and yelling at them for when they're wrong. It's because that's a quick way to train. People don't know what they're doing, and they're all strangers. But it's not an effective way to train people. Because, yeah. <laughs> like I said, it just creates subcultures of people who hate each other secretly and become drug addicts secretly and all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just it's the worst elements of society for what is because there's always like a, a role that people will fill there's seven roles that people fill in every group dynamic or something and it's like yeah, yeah this is this is how this is where prostitutes and serial killers come from is this kind of culture <laughs> Uh, the skipper comes out. He tries to impress on the boys like the dangers of the sea and like how if you don't, yeah. And this is where they they show that the the bell where it has a saying on it says where we go one we go all. I totally forgot when I started watching this movie. It's like oh this like this is, has a connection to QAnon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh and it's so sad because it's like that's sort of the only cool thing in the movie. It's like yeah what a nice again a nice idea but co-opted by lunatics in both cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is also where like Dean smoking, like kind of in, in uh, what do you call it? In defiance of the captain. And he keeps taking his cigarettes away and he just keeps having another one. And then we cut to the next scene and they're all smoking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, Skipper might as well just go around with Zippo. Here you go, boys. I'm going to light them up. Uh, we got a montage of the boat being cleaned. A plane shows up to drop off Jeremy Sisto. Uh, oh, that's the actor. It's he's playing Frank Beaumont. Yeah. So he's like the the obvious. He's the richest kid of the group here. Uh, yeah, because mom and dad can like just charter a seaplane. Yeah. And track a <laughs> boat down in the 1960s. Like, uh, they must have really. Like, multiple times yeah <laughs> they, they must really did they have gps before was, was that what his dad did was like oh, i have secret satellite stuff to track boats in the caribbean i mean it's post-world war ii so i'm guessing like boats have a lot of technology at this time so. i mean they have to file logs about what port they're going to be in at what time 
So I guess you could time that out to within hours. It wouldn't be like, well, there they are. Here comes the plane. (laughs) No, you'd be sitting around while your dad was sniping at you for a while or something. (laughs) I mean, it would, yeah. But it's for its movie logic, so. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, we got to move on. (laughs) There's tension between the rich dad and Skipper. Uh, there's some extra effort pointed at like a cigarette being stomped out on the deck, which I don't know if that had any greater meaning. Cause like they cut to the wife and she's like, Hmm, it's like, you got to do something about that. And he kind of looks at it and he just kind of waves the dad off. But like, I don't know what that was about, but they really like played it up. Like the cigarette being stamped out on the deck was a horrible dishonor or like brought dis- bad luck upon the ship or some. Shit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I also like throughout the movie we'll have voiceover by Chuck because he wrote a diary, which is somewhat what the book was based on. Because I think the book is written by like two people from the boat, right? Yes. Is that how it worked? Okay. Uh, it was like the it was like the English teacher and Chuck Chuck's diaries, <laughs> I think. Right. Uh, I'm hold on. I have it pulled up here. Yeah, it was uh, Charles Geeg and uh, Felix Sutton. So we get we get a montage of like them working the boat, so they're not just cleaning it, but like them like operating the ropes and stuff like that, and the sails. Uh, here, Chuck like falls and he has like some rope wrapped around himself, and he kind of falls and then like accidentally like hangs himself for a bit. Uh, the skipper like comes to his rescue and like gets him like where he's like can hold on and like unwrap the rope from his neck. Um, yeah, it's a really like nasty looking fall. It's like yeah, he falls out of the rigging basically with a de facto noose and he's just kind of like kicking in free air it's like somebody better get uh, one of those hook things and pull him in uh the skipper runs up and pulls him aside but then they get back down and then gil put gets put, put on blast for not climbing up to like to save chuck so skip this is where i basically find out oh he's afraid of heights and so skipper forces him to climb and so he, 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 like, overcomes his fear of heights by, like, screaming while he climbs, but then they climb too high, and then he eventually just pisses his pants. And so it's like, all right, well, let's come back down. <laughs> yeah, Skipper's like, I just got pissed on. Uh, did, did you just piss on me? Get, get down. So it's a lesson about facing fear. And, like, also they're just kind of sows distrust amongst the group. It's like, oh, well, if he can't climb, you know, this doesn't prove that he's going to climb in a moment of danger. This just proves... He can climb while someone's screaming at him. Gil's more of a liability than we thought. And Skipper's <laughs> an asshole. Because um, when they get down, he's, he's he, you know, the Skipper's like, can, can we find a job that suits Gil's needs better? You know, because he's, he's like kind of almost acquiescing that like yeah maybe what i just did was a little screwed up <laughs> uh, well well then chuck like goes to console gill and he's like he can figure it out on his own <laughs> yeah let him suffer alone <laughs> let him clean his own pants <laughs> it's how you learn at sea <laughs> just go hop in the sea gill no no you pissed your pants yeah <laughs> yes clean the urine off with briny water which is like <laughs> being an acid um that's why the ships look all because <laughs> they're s- swimming in acid uh we because uh, there's like a meeting amongst like the heads and so or no no it's just like a dinner but it's like in the, the uh, it's like in the captain's galley or something like that i'm not sure i might be using that term wrong or whatever um here the cook feels that there's a problem with training and he's like ah <laughs> 
so here he acknowledges like oh maybe i'm pushing him too hard but then he's like well that's what needs to happen so you stay off my poop deck and i'll stay out of your kitchen (laughs) actual line yeah actual some version of that uh then we cut to like all the kids are hanging out at some caribbean bar they're doing limbo uh, Chuck goes off to see if Gil's okay. This is kind of like a cool shot scene because they're like shooting at like sunset or sunrise. I'm not sure, but it's like sunset. Yeah, I think it's sunset. Uh, so yeah, yeah it's amazing do- looking. It looks like something out of Miami Vice. It's like <laughs> wow. But also means that like, oh, you probably only had one take for this. So yeah, <laughs> you got children actors here. Well, well, one child and one adult man it being a child. <laughs> Here we get some backstory about Gil, about his parents are always fighting, and his him and his brothers were like used to climb trees. So you know, like, oh, that's gonna be a thing where that's why he doesn't climb anymore because something bad happened. <laughs> so that being the end of Act One, we got Act Two. They're taking off to sea. Uh, here, uh, McCray is trying to encourage everyone to sing, and so the captain like kind of joins in to be like, yeah, everyone sings on a windjammer, so. <laughs> Which is a term I heard before, but I don't necessarily know what it means. Is that, is that just another name for a sailing ship, or does that have some specificity? I'm not sure. Of. I would assume that is a sailing ship because I learned from reading a book about these. These are called brigantines, <laughs> which means it's a two-masted vessel with a um, uh, what is it like the foremast, which is um. Okay, I can't. It's got a square mast essentially at the top. Okay, it's it's not the, all the triangular ones. It's got a, and uh, and they were kind of designed for that um, part of the world because of how the wind works and stuff. That they were the most effective for for their size. Yeah, because brigantines were more like um, they weren't like the giant cargo type things. They were more transportation type ships. Yeah, I mean they were built. Well, we'll find out. We'll, we'll talk about when the shipwreck happens. All the stuff I okay. learned about it. But yeah, it's basically the, it's called a brigantine, um, okay. and it also has like a diesel engine in it that powers it too, in case you know they don't have wind. Uh, not a very uh, powerful or big one, but you know they can move through the water. They're not like dead at sea. No. Well, I don't know if that's what made it a wind jammer. If it's like, oh, it's a sailing ship, but it has like a backup motor on it or something like that. But, uh, I, it could be. I've heard the term windjammer, but it's in reference to a video game where you basically play tennis with a frisbee. So, <laughs> okay, well, not the same, but yeah. Uh, the frisbee's riding on the wind. Uh, so they show him off loosening the sails. Uh, Chuck steers the ship. They turn the engine off. The sea starts getting rough, so like stuff starts falling off the shelves. They close off some doors, which I'm guessing this is like when you say batten down the hatches yes. going on. So like you don't get water in the uh, uh in below decks. Yep. <laughs> Coming through the open doors. <laughs> uh the sea starts getting rough, stuff starts falling off the shelves. Like yeah, I just read that. There's a group of people that are just puking off the side of the boat. <laughs> but like it's almost the entire crew. It's yep. like there's like there's only like three people that aren't puking. <laughs> I've never been on a boat, but I have to imagine I I would uh, probably get seasick. Oh, you know, you everyone you does. Yeah, because you're not used to con. You, you just if you're la- if you're on land, you're not used to constant movement. I mean, it's like also like being in a car for a long. You get a lesser version of it because the car is like constantly. 
But at sea, I mean, you're, the surface you're standing on is tilting all around. Yeah. And, but usually once you puke, it's like a day, and then you're fine. Then you're, oh, like, okay. ready to eat steak and drink beer the next day. It's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, cool. Woo. You know. Well, I've heard people, like, you know, it's like the, the hardcore thing for like motion is going to be diazepine. But here you can just take ginger root as long as it's kind of, like, before the thing and, like, you'll be fine. Yeah, it just has but, to do with how your equilibrium works. Yeah, because because it's it's like dealing with a falling sensation all the time, I guess. Yeah, um, I've not like I said never been. I'm not a not an old salt of the sea by any means, but <laughs> uh, they send some people down to their bunks. I think here it's like Dean. No, or is it Frank that complains? Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not staying to watch here, and so they send him down below or something. Um, a sail starts re ripping. Oh no, this no, this Dean stays up here. Yeah, it's Frank that complains. It doesn't want to do it. Um. Dean grabs like the loose line and he gets thrown into the sea, but he's like still holding onto the rope. Here, Alice, the doctor, climbs down to the side of the rope and helps him get back on the ship. Um, and then like, <laughs> yeah, the skipper's just kind of like hanging off the side with a with a little life preserver, <laughs> just yeah. kind of waiting to see what happens. <laughs> then we cut to uh, Chuck is writing his diary, and while he's doing that, Gil has a nightmare about falling. Uh, Gil's brother died. You ever remember like Gil's brother died from falling out of the tree that they used to climb when their parents fought, and like he was off in some camp somewhere, and so he wasn't there to save him or watch him die. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he know, blamed he himself he for some reason, but it's like, well, your parents are drunks. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's why they're fighting. I don't know. Yeah, or something. Or something. <laughs> the parents are some kind of irresponsible um, people, and. Yeah, sad. So your older brother's hiding in a tree, you know, into like his teenage years, which <laughs> makes me think like, are they just ripping the house apart? Like, is the dad <laughs> running through the house like the Incredible Hulk, just smashing through walls to get to the mom? I mean, I don't know. And I've not, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of like a violence in our home, so I don't really know what that's like. It's kind of <laughs> abstract to us, so it's like, oh, okay. Oh, they were fighting, and the kid's up in a tree. I'm thinking I'm getting up in a tree like, oh, dad's like swinging an axe around in the house or something. I don't know what. I, I just wonder because it's the 60s, and probably the parents don't seem to care where their kids are, how long it took them to discover the body. Yeah, can you imagine that? Like you're just having a knockdown drag out with your wife for whatever reason because dinner wasn't hot or I don't know, whatever, people fight about. <laughs> and you're like, God, I can't take this. You go outside, and your kid's dead. It's like his head's turned around backwards and he's laying at the bottom of a tree. It's like, that's that's just nightmare fuel to even think about stuff like that happening. When you really just sit down and like put yourself in that situation, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, well, I imagine, I imagine for 60s drunk dad, he was probably just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Get up. Don't be a crybaby. Like one hat, one eyelid's like half open. Yeah, it's like obviously like just neurological death has occurred. Like the spine is like s severed. It's like slapping him. Like get up, turn your head around the right way. Uh, and then he starts crying. Yeah, then then tears can come. First violence, then tears. Uh, we cut to they pull into a port, which I'm not sure if this is just still the Caribbeans or somewhere, some island. Yeah. Uh, they find out Gil is a virgin, so then they like put together money, which really they're probably all virgins. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think. Uh... 
Maybe the James Dean acting guy, but that could all be an act yeah. too, you know, because I remember the guy, I, I like, always remember the guys in school that always claimed to know a lot about sex. It's like you find out later in life, like, oh, his information was really wrong. It's like, <laughs> yeah, because he was lying to you. It's like, so yeah. I always thought it's like, wow, I'm I'm around all these sex masters and I know nothing because I never tried to bullshit. I was like, I was the fat kid in school. I was like, yeah, come on. I've never had sex. I'm, I've never seen a tit. I mean, come look at me, you know. But it's like, yeah, I used to know guys like, man, everyone's having all this sex but me. And then I found out later in life, it's like, yeah, no one's having sex. <laughs> and if they are, it's something desperate, weird, and will lead to like some kind of infection. So yeah, <laughs> probably, probably good. Probably good you weren't doing that. <laughs> Um, but they put money together to get a sex worker for Frank. Or, no, or <laughs> yeah. they get get a sex worker for Gil, but then he says no, and so they spend a bottle and they make Frank go to lay. So they get seven dollars and they hand it to this like you know pretty black lady, and she brings him into the room, and then and then a large older black lady comes in, and then he runs away. It's like no. <laughs> And then everybody laughs about it, like they all knew this is what happens or something. So yeah, like yeah, we're we're men of the sea. We we know the ways of these <laughs> these these land prostitutes. <laughs> um, we cut it cut to it's night. They're all drinking. They hear a chime, and they start to run to the boat, but the the boat is taken off. But but like uh. Yeah, because Frank ran away earlier. He's already there waiting, but like they already left. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, these guys, I assume these guys just got like shadracked. Like they were just drinking like massive amounts of liquor because it's like that time frame they were given was like pretty wide. Yeah. And so I'm guessing like they just drank until they passed out. And it's, oh, yeah, we got to go do this boat thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they end up fighting each other, like, who's at fault for this, even though they all know it's them. <laughs> yeah, some of them, like, beat each other bloody. Like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> well, it's actually, they're not, like, they're actually, like, trying to figure out, like, what do we do next? How do we get home? The boat's gone. Like, we've missed our opportunity. <laughs> and then they just start fighting. So. We're going to become indentured servitude servants here. <laughs> and we have to, like, you know, bring in the cane harvest. <laughs> We're screwed. Uh, we got to morning. They're all like sleeping under a boat, <laughs> and they have like, as you can hear like really loud fly sounds. So that sounds like that must have been a fun night to sleep in. Just, yeah, just with malaria. <laughs> uh, they get woken up by McCray, and the and the skipper gives them a talking to. Uh, and we hear something about like them. Oh, like oh, he's like I'm gonna shut this whole school down. And there's also something about like. The, the, each kid being responsible for a Dutch student, and then there's something about test scores. All this will be figured out later on, but it's just weird that it comes all of a sudden where it's like, I'm going to shut the school down. Anyways, here's what's going to happen next. Yeah, it seems like an empty thread. It's like, this is over. I'm done. Now we must plan for a better tomorrow. It's like, huh? What? Which one is this? You're lying to me like my dad. We just got catfished by a prostitute, damn it. No more deception. Um, uh, then we cut to, uh, I wrote Dean, but I think this is Frank who has like violent thoughts while holding a spear gun. <laughs> and he's like pointing at one of the other kids, but here he just kind of like pretends to fire, fire it. Yeah. Um, this is our American, this is our American psycho trainee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is Jason Bateman's like grandfather. Like it's learning like, ah, oh, this is what men do. Uh, then we cut to the boys are taking some test. 
and we find out Dean's cheating, and, and Chuck and Gil notices that he's cheating. Which again, I don't know if these kids are all supposed to be the same age. It seems like they'd be—they're all different ages. But I'm know. assuming they're seniors in high school. Okay. But you know, because you got that weird. Because I remember, like, I was a young senior. Like when I graduated high school, I don't think I was 18. But because that's when, because when I was born and when I started going to school. And because amazingly never got held back any grades. <laughs> it's like surprising because I was terrible <laughs> in school. But, um, but yeah, I knew people I graduated with that were like, oh, there's like, they're adults. <laughs> like these guys are like, <laughs> they got a beard and a girlfriend and a kid. And it's like, I'm still 17. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's kind of an age. I'm assuming the age is here between 16 and 18. Okay. Um, cause, but well, I'm, just, just... I'm just totally assuming this. I don't know. Well, Gil just seems so much younger than everybody, but maybe he was just literally younger than everybody. Or he was innocent. Yeah. Uh, so Chuck and Gil confront Dean. Like, they, like, 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 like hold him up against the wall and fight him over. Like, hey, you're cheating. It's like, you know, you'll get kicked out if they discover you're cheating. Um, this is where we're supposed to be, like, they're bonding. Like, oh, they really yeah. care. Like, no, they didn't want to deal with this jerk two weeks ago. <laughs> or I don't know how much time has passed. It's like a school year, so, like, a lot of time yeah. has passed. But, yeah. And then uh, you find out basically Dean cheated his way onto the boat for reasons. Yeah. And we basically find out he's, like, illiterate and can't do math or anything. So. <laughs> yeah, he can't read or do math. It's like, that's terrible. <laughs> it's like, I could at least do one of those things. Um, but he must be able to do it somewhat because you know he has a cheat sheet that he reads off of, so obviously he can read. Yeah, this is when I get into the dynamics of like how does cheating work on the boat school? It's like what were you getting? <laughs> a, where are you getting a copy of the test? <laughs> but then like they create a secret study group. Uh, Frank also just pops out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and so now they have a secret study group. He's like, I'll show you how to use a slide rule, <laughs> and that's the only thing he says. He'll show. Actually, I'd like to learn how to use a slide rule. I, mean, I, yeah, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know how they I work. I think uh, Dad I was like the last generation that used, and that's because he was an engineer. I just I don't know how yeah. common those were because now you just well, use forget. like graphing calculators and stuff. Yeah, I forget why you don't need them anymore. It's just easier ways to do it and more accessible ways to do it. Well, people are also doing much harder math nowadays because everything's <laughs> way more complicated. They get to port a, a new port. Uh, I don't know where they are because they're not. They didn't like sail halfway around the world to like Amsterdam or whatever. Where are the Dutch? Where is the the country where the Dutch live? The Netherlands. <laughs> is it the Netherlands? Okay, but they yeah. don't go there, right? They're just in no, different... no. They're in okay. like the. Um, I'm assuming it's one of the Dutch colonies, like in Africa or something. Because I'm assuming they sailed across the Atlantic. I don't know. I actually don't know the ship. The 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 uh, journey of the albatross but they say it's like two thousand miles that's like that's across the ocean so yeah it doesn't matter i just never it's not really essential well i just don't know like what what's that because sometimes it seems like oh they travel halfway around the world and sometimes it seems like they just never left the caribbeans like they're just going to different small islands in the caribbean i mean that's where it was actually filmed most of it yeah. It was filmed in, um, where is it? Because he filmed Conquest of Paradise in the same place. Oh, it's um, mainly in the Caribbean islands, St. Uh, Vincent and the uh, Grenadines. Okay. So, yeah, that's why it looks like that. But I'm assuming, like, they're in such some Dutch colonial holding at that time. Um, yeah, they get to port, and there's a, 
the the Dutch school there, like they're they're pairing them up with. It's like a ladies' school. Yeah, it's Dutch, and so all the boys are excited because they're going to get paired off with these Dutch ladies. Which I heard, which the trivia I read on it said they wanted to be French, but they couldn't find like local people that look French. But there was just a bunch of Dutch people, so they just changed it to Dutch. It's like that's just as exotic, why not? Yeah, to Americans, those people are like, oh, it's it's like they're the crazy sexed up people from europe you know, european <laughs> teenagers are like 30 year old women in america <laughs> and they actually are to be fair it's the you know they have a much more open attitude towards that stuff there as i've heard you know nathan world yeah. traveler it's like i don't know maybe i mean they're doing an f1 race there at a nude beach uh this weekend so <laughs> nude beach has never that- seemed that they have those here now and they never seem that excited to me it's, it's like yeah, yeah. I, because I have to be nude also to be on the beach. And it's like, nobody wants that. Actually, I don't know if it's a nude beach. I just know there's a famous photo of one of the F1 drivers just, like, being nude on the beach. And it wasn't a problem. Oh, there's, yeah, there's all kinds of clothing optionals things over there. Because they don't care. They don't put, like, weird things on being nude. Yeah. And, ne- and neither do I. And neither does my son either. Because it oh. was always, like... In school, there were some people that were really worried about being naked. It's like, well, we're all supposed to be in the shower, so let's get in the shower. <laughs> Guess what? I'm fat. Surprise! <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> well, no, there's also just people that just like nudity just equates to sex. So if people are oh, nude, yeah. it's like, then it's just like, well, they're trying to have sex with everything because they're nude. And there's children around, so obviously he's a pedophile. Yeah, obviously. That's, <laughs> that's what nudity means. <laughs> sex oh yeah there's a montage of the boys showing off the showing off the ship to the ladies so like you know there's like some like technical details like oh you can see that they're learning because now they have like you know they're just popping out all the like this specific dialogue of like what each thing is and it's like oh wow i don't know what that is so, yes yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes and this is the mizzen mast and this is the you know <laughs> every rope here has a purpose like oh cool <laughs> Uh, then Frank's parents show up to see him to the annoyance of the skipper. You know, this again, they just fly in with another seaplane. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to nighttime and it's like a formal dinner with like the two classes and like other people. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it seems to be way more people than just the two classes, but uh, could we just relate it to the Dutch school that's here? I'm not even sure if there's a Dutch school here, if it's just like a Dutch class visiting <laughs> this area. <laughs> Uh, Frank is eating with his parents, but and he's upset that he's not eating with the crew. And so Frank's dad gets mad about this. So they go outside and they have a very awkward struggle. Like, I don't even want to call it a fight. It's just kind of like holding each other in a weird way. It's like, I'm trying to get you in a neck hold and you're not cooperating. <laughs> and then we cut to Chuck sneaks off with a girl and he like says all the stuff to her and she doesn't speak English. And then like, and then basically they have sex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's every young man's dream just i want to meet <laughs> these sexed up dutch girls on a boat <laughs> um and then uh then we catch to frank is like he's either acting drunk or is drunk i don't know <laughs> like, i don't know how he acquired enough alcohol or if he's just being weird because he doesn't want to deal with anything i think he's drunk okay uh, that was a that was he must have he must have drank some hard stuff to get that drunk. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just it's, uh, blah, 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 blah. you know, cask proof, cask strength rum. You know, my, my favorite. Doesn't um, take a lot, especially when you weigh a hundred pounds. <laughs> uh, he just has a stick, and there's just like 
lights dangling off the rope and he's just like hitting the lights with a stick which is kind of cool it's like hey that's a that's a fun way to be angry yeah <laughs> and those lights are very small so it's a yeah you know, it's good on him you yeah know, good hand eye coordination means you can barely stand it's like hey, really. <laughs> Uh, and then he's like kind of stumbling towards the party, but Chuck and some of the boys like try to get him out of there so he doesn't get in trouble. Then we cut to like the skipper and the doctor dance for a moment. So this this is where the movie's like, all right, they have a relationship. We, we better prove that they love each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then ignore it for most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you actually know they care for each other. You don't think they're not just in the in the in the you know the captain's quarters, him and his wife, and he's like just reading. Like, you know, grim statistics. <laughs> you know, the sea will claim us all eventually. Uh, <laughs> and how we face that death says a lot about who we are. And, and Alice is just like, can we just have sex? No, <laughs> no, no. We must learn the lore of the ocean <laughs> and how it moves us. And I have amazing hair, by the way. <laughs> this isn't a wick. <laughs> Uh, we cut to day. It's English class time. Here, the class get distracted and they run off to go look at dolphins. And then, for some reason, Frank gets out a spear gun and shoots one of the dolphins. He's yeah, like, it's a total hey. psycho move. <laughs> and he's kind of looking to the other kids like for approval. It's, it's like, like, wasn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all kind of like, well, I guess I don't know. What did he do? <laughs> I mean, they're all kind of horrified by it, but it's like, no, dolphins are mammals. You're not supposed to kill them. But this is 60s. You know, obviously everyone's like, a oh, dolphin's just a fish. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Flipper was on TV then, wasn't it? No, uh, it was probably later. I don't know. Yeah, it was late 60s. Because I was in color, so. Yeah, it was, yeah, was late. Actually, no, there were seasons in black and white, wasn't there? Yeah. I don't know. I only know about, you know, whatever Nick and Knight had. <laughs> That's why I know about 60s TV. He's what, whatever came on after nickelodeon stopped running and they started running nick at night 1964 yeah the only thing i know about 60s tv is the twilight zone which i know front to back and <laughs> some flipper and i dream of genie and star trek like that's it i don't know a lot of other stuff from that time i mean i know the outer limits yeah i imagine like flippers like there's some dark story behind it like well, there was actually oh, yeah. seven flippers and three oh yeah obviously yeah yeah uh, so yeah, they they shoots one of the dolphins, and so they go out to like assist the dolphin, and they crane it onto the boat, and then like the the, the doc says like one of the dolphins' longest puncture, and so the s skipper gets a big comically giant wooden mallet. <laughs> yeah, like the Super Mario Brothers hammer or the Donkey Kong hammer. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and so he wants him, he wants Frank to kill the dolphin. And he's like, ah, you just you know finish the job. And he's like, I'm not gonna kill the dolphin. He's like, you already did. But he won't do it, and so the captain beats the dolphin to death. Like not one hit; it's like multiple hits. Yeah, like its tail's like flipping up in the air, and it's like making <laughs> weird clicking sounds. And now um, I, I always wondered, like, because yeah, because now it's like, well, Frank's definitely off the boat. He's a freaking psycho. But it's like if he had finished the the dolphin with the hammer, would the captain have let him stay? I kind of wondered that. <laughs> it's like that's ah, a man's job, and you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> he followed orders. You're the first mate now. The other, you're you're out, you pussy. <laughs> yeah, we'll call him Dolphin Slayer, the Dolphin Hammer. <laughs> Didn't happen though. So, uh, the skipper and Frank have have a confrontation. The skipper says he's kicking him off the boat. Uh, we cut to 
there, there's a meeting with Skipper where Chuck tries to convince him that they shouldn't kick Frank off the boat. And so then the Skipper and the Doc sort of have a fight about it, too. And it's like, well, it got his back, so it must be worth something. And then we cut to the next day, Frank's getting kicked off the boat, so they're just walking him away. The Skipper's walking away with, to some port. Here, like, Gil, like, overcomes his fear and climbs the main mast all the way to the top to ring the bell to say goodbye to Frank. Which I thought he was, like, ringing the bell, like, because he's saying, like, come on, Frank. Because, like, he's usually just telling him to, like, will him back to the boat, and then everyone's okay with it. But, no, it's just him saying goodbye or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because even the captain said they believed in you even up to the end. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Frank's issues with, like, weird, like murderous issues never get resolved and <laughs> just weird throughout <laughs> yeah but now he's gone so yeah uh let me get to the next day todd has an std he got from grenada which i don't know if it's from one of the dutch girls or just the local <laughs> like sex workers or whatever i'm assuming uh, for humor's sake it's like oh the dutch girls they were just a bunch of dirty girls yeah well yeah because also other people have to get the same penicillin shot so because <laughs> like, the, the doc's just like lining them up it's like all right yeah 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 she knows because <laughs> these guys they like come to uh chuck and they're like i got a problem it's like what happens when i pee it's like fire and it's like oh <laughs> to us we're like well it's venereal disease but you know, <laughs> i've never had an std my life's pretty boring <laughs> yeah, me either. but uh yeah, penicillin was around then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, VD was, like, really common. I mean, they called it, like, the clap or something. Like, that was the 60s yeah. vernacular. Because uh, one of my favorite that... George Carlin lines was about how, like, oh, this was so popular, it spread like a dose of the clap at a biker rally. You know, <laughs> he was making fun of, like, advertisement, like, slogans. <laughs> and it was like, that's, that's magical. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um and then like it's like the same scene a cuban military boat shows up and fires at the boat yeah uh they, they fly the american flag to try to be like hey we're americans fly the flag don't you won't mess with the american eagle <laughs> uh then there's like a megaphone standoff that's kind of weird here we learn that the cook is like a cuban refugee and that's who they're looking for is refugees from cuba um the boys rush off to get their passports, but I think it's oh, what's his name? It's like Tracy. You think it is? Can't find his. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Gil, but yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. No, it was Tracy, because I'm because I, I like looking up all the actors, and that's the guy from this movie, because I think he's from like a movie called another teenage movie that came out like seven years later called Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, but he's okay. also in like he's also in like oh, what's that? What's that? Oh, remember the movie or man, I can't remember what it's called. The movie where it's like they're called, it's about one hit wonders and they're like called the like the wonders, but they spell it with an O and everyone calls them the O Needers or something like that. And it's like produced by uh, Tom, uh, Tom Hanks. You remember that movie? <laughs> uh, it does sound vaguely familiar. Anyways, he's the bass player in that movie. <laughs> that movie, I can't remember the name of. Uh, that thing you do, I think that's what it's called. Yep, that's it. This is the next <laughs> movie he did. Yep. So they let the Cubans board the ship. Here they intimidate the crew, but the skipper like holds his ground, and like uh, he's like, hey, "If you're taking anybody, you're taking me." And so the Cubans like leave angry, but just before they leave, 
they'd break the ship's compass. <laughs> Oh, that's got to be expensive, right? Aren't those oh yeah, expensive? those are probably really expensive. I guess. I mean, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a navigational instrument your life depends on. So yeah, it's, <laughs> and it has to be able to 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 uh, tolerate the the sea, which is really corrosive. So yeah, there's probably be like and probably a lot of money. It's just got to be put in to calibrate it. Like you gotta yeah, calibrate it. <laughs> it's probably like filled with mercury or some crazy. <laughs> I remember we were working at a place and they had like these machines to do uh, their static pressure. And, you know, I have like modern stuff and they have this thing that looked like it's from the 60s. It's just like, why are you using that? It's like, well, a company comes in and we pay money and they say it's calibrated. And so because they calibrate it now, it's like more official than like the new stuff you buy because it technically doesn't have that calibration rating on it. It's like, that's weird. <laughs> it makes sense, but it's weird. <laughs> that sounds like an insurance thing to me, but cool. <laughs> So yeah, the Cubans leave. Well, I think there's like a horizon they show like, or they presume there's like some American ships on the horizon. Uh, but there's also some hints that like the Bay of Pigs is about to happen. So <laughs> I don't yeah, know. No, Kennedy was on the radio like the, a, an earlier scene talking about okay. the presence of Soviet missiles in Cuba. Is <laughs> you know, is insane and tolerable to america even though we've ringed the soviet union with our nuclear missiles from everywhere from germany to turkey but we're not going to mention that oh so is the cuban missile crisis and the bay of pigs happen and uh um, I, close relation to each other i know well the bay yeah the bay of pigs happened early in kennedy's uh, administration and cuban missile crisis happened like a year later i think or oh, two okay. years i could be wrong Okay. I don't want a bunch of angry notes from the history guys. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, true, yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. <laughs> aren't you the Cold War guys? Like, I'm sorry. It's live production. You lose all your history notes. Yeah. Uh, we cut to, it's like some days later, and they park the ship at an island, and they go exploring, which just seems to be like an uninhabited island, but I actually don't know. Um, it's the Lord of the cool Flies look. moment of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I guess one of the actors was in Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I think he was. The, well, which version? Yeah, there's like seven versions of that movie. Uh, the 80s one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they find like a time capsule that just has a book in it of like people apparently just come to this island and sign this book and then bury it. Uh, which is kind of a neat thing, which I didn't know. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that'd be a fun thing. I would exists. actually do that. That would be really cool <laughs> if I found something like that. Yep, I'm putting my name in here because it's the only way I'll ever be famous. <laughs> um they they leave the island here they like they got like you know they put paint on and like you know they got like sticks and stuff so this is very where it looks like lord of the flies but they, you know they're just having fun i don't actually know how long they're on there but <laughs> yeah time is like very one thing i have about this movie that has struck me as odd it's like a two-hour movie i think yeah is i you lose track of time in the movie yeah. like you don't know how much time is passing and they're not really like really they're not giving you a lot of clues. They're not really keen on explaining it either. So I, that's why I'm like guessing a lot of things. That's why like, I never think... thought of like, what is the route of the voyage of the albatross? Never occurred to me till we were trying to figure <laughs> out where they met the Dutch girls. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. They, they're in North Africa for all I know. You know, it's yeah. like, no well, idea. I, I, think, I believe in the diary. Like when they get to that port where they meet the Dutch girls, I think that's the part where he says it's 1961. So you know, it's like, oh, a year has passed because we had those titles earlier before that said 1960, which is f 
weird because that's almost the only titles we get for time and location and never at any other moment other <laughs> time and location titles. And I wonder if the director did that on purpose or... I mean, I'm sure with Ridley Scott there probably was a reason behind it because he does a lot of stuff that, like, oh, that was a reason for that, but... <laughs> this is homework for you to do. Yeah. <laughs> and they leave the island. Uh, we cut to they're on the boat and they, they're going over their test scores because they took a test. This is, apparently, they took the SATs on the boat. Yep. Here, here like... Uh, Chuck gets his and he's like, ah, I did okay. And he lists out his numbers. And then they talk to Dean. They're thinking, like, oh, he must have bombed his. And so he's just kind of like hanging out alone. And they look at his scores. Like, yeah, they got 1100s, which I don't know what that means because I forget what the scores are for that. I think so, 1200 is perfect. Okay. <laughs> I think. I don't remember. Because I know mine was like, like one of the kids on the boat got, got my scores. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's what I got. But mine were really lopsided because. You know, like the part of the t SAT that I took in the early 90s where it was like, this word is that, is like this, is that word is to this. Well, of course, you know, I got like 100% on that. Like, I just got all that stuff right. And it's like, write an essay about like something. It's like, okay, I did that. I got 100% on that. And then, so my SATs look like, oh, they were amazing. And then we get to math and it's like, ah, we've fallen off the mountain and we keep going until we decompress and explode because these are terrible <laughs> it's like oh I, I, i'm sure they thought it was like was this guy cheating and lost his stuff halfway through or what <laughs> but it's kind of hard to cheat an essay question yeah so but my son did a lot better than me and he also aced the linguistic and essay part of it but he did well enough on the math to where they didn't think he was like some kind of mental case so. <laughs> So yeah, Dean does well, so they're like, hey, it worked out. We helped you out. And so and then Gil, Dean, and Chuck kind of talk about the future. This is where Chuck's like, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with good grades or be in college. Like I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And then they just chuck all their test scores in the ocean. <laughs> so Which makes which, me think I it's like I hope you don't need those because your yeah, parents yeah. just spent a lot of money <laughs> to to get those for you. And this is the sixties. That'd be a hassle to get that all back together. <laughs> yeah. You can't just like, did you save that in a file somewhere on the cloud? I need the PDF. Teach. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, let me cut to. They're listening to a space launch. It's like the of a Mercury, one of the Mercury space launches. Yeah. Because for a moment there, I was like, wait, this is sixty one. They can't be like listening to the moon. Yeah, landing. that didn't happen until almost seventies, <laughs> <70s>, like <laughs> early seventies, late sixties. Yeah. Well, yeah, 69 is the moon landing. Yeah. Um, you know, because we have to happen before the decade. <laughs> uh, there's also, like, they have, like, the, the soundtrack gets ominous. There's ominous noises going on. So it's like, is there a storm outside? But, like, nobody's reacting to it. Then they cut it outside. Like, yeah, it's storming outside. Yeah. Uh, it starts lightning out, which is kind of cool because they have one lightning hit like the water and they do some kind of effect it's like oh wow that looks wild. yeah that actually did look cool it's like for something that's <laughs> oh, almost 30 years old it's like oh wow that was kind of cool actually if i saw that that would freak me out like it's like yeah we're screwed it's like the water's like changing into like heavy water at this point or something <laughs> something's happening um and so because it's lightning out the skipper orders everyone out of the rigging so they don't get electrocuted um, Which I didn't think of that. I thought they ordered them out of the rigging so they didn't get blown out of it. Oh, that's that's that. But no, no, they say later why. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, because they don't get like shocked. 
Yeah. The ship gets rolled like almost completely onto its side at this moment. It will later on, but at this moment, it's kind of almost getting pushed over. Here they here they batten down the hatches and stuff. And then there's just a giant wave coming their way. Like you have like you have like the camera shot, and the wave is like in the entire camera shot. But it's also being obscured by like inner inner rain in between. So yeah. it's only kind of like one moment where you see like, oh shit, that's a wall of water. <laughs> and then you kind of don't see it later on. Uh, they don't get hit by the wave from a perfect storm wave, but you know, you're supposed to imagine that's what they're getting hit by. Yeah, it was kind of an effective scene because you see the captain is seeing it, and you can tell by like you know the way the way Jeff Bridges like projects it. It's like he doesn't know what to do at this point. Yeah. It's like this is beyond his experience. He's not like, oh, this is turn into it. This is what we do when this <laughs> happens. It's like no, this is like some kind of bizarre weather phenomenon that I can't. Yeah uh relate to well, it gets quiet because he was, he was always yelling and here he gets quiet and he just whispers to himself white squall oh. <laughs> and then the ships get hit gets hit well let's um, talk about what i learned about the albatross okay from the excerpt i read from the la uh tall ships down the last voyage of the albatross and a bunch of others but i just read the albatross excerpt from it so how old do you think the albatross is? This is 1960. Let's say in the time frame of this movie. How old do you think that I'm, boat is? I'm going to say 40 years old. Yeah, it was built in 1920. Okay. So it wasn't built 200 years ago. <laughs> it was it was built in the 20s. Uh, it had uh, a propulsion system with what, what they call one screw. I always like that. It just basically <laughs> has one prop on the back of it spinning. Yeah. Um, problem with these kind of boats is you know they were like sailing ships they used they mainly they used canvas sails to capture the wind and pull them through the water cool as hell if you've ever seen it like it is amazing that it's like oh this is pre-industrial industrial shipping it's like it is amazing to see those things but it also had a you know propeller just in case um but the problem is with these um uh the schooners and the brigantines that they made this way they're very top heavy because okay. of how they made the the hall and the deck and everything to mainly accommodate passengers, radio equipment, and the engine that was never in the original design of these ships, it made them prone to flipping over, which we see in the movie happens not once but twice, <laughs> um, which is like, huh? I wouldn't have known this if I didn't find this this excerpt of this book to read. I just mainly read about this, and and that's really like the. Um, all you know that that's all i'm going to say about it it's like but an expert in like naval architecture and a guy who was in the coast guard for 30 years wrote a book about like well why did this happen to these ships was it because of like violent obscure windstorms that really don't happen much in the uh open ocean but do happen a lot in the great lakes i learned it's like white squalls <laughs> are like a known thing in the great lakes like there's video evidence of them now uh, not as common at sea because of just how the wind works, you know, in both places. But yeah, so it's like, you know, whatever happened in this movie or didn't, you know, happen in real life or whatever. It's like these ships were known, you know, they were, were they they just said they were just top heavy ships, and if they got hit in the side, because that's always like the rule, because that comes up. We'll talk about the movie a little more in a second about you know steer into it don't take it on the side because it's going to flip over. It's, it's like yeah. a known thing. The people that captain these ships knew about this. Every ship 
designed like this. Even modern ships have, um, you know, they all have something. They're, they all have strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, when their strengths outnumber their weaknesses and you got a good captain and a good crew and good weather, their weaknesses are never a problem. But when the weird stuff happens, it's a problem. So anyway, back to the movie. Well, like, uh, I guess I, I didn't actually look up a definition, but do you know, like, what a definition of a white squall is? Like, what that entails? Okay, well, the white squalls, um, again, only... Are, 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 I guess I should ask, are there squalls? And what's a white squall? <laughs> well, I mean, a, squ a squall is like a, just a violent windstorm at sea accompanied by you know just like really dark it's just like a thunderstorm at sea with, with high winds that are just slopping tons of water into your boat because remember okay. water super dense material i think it was like seven pounds to a gallon so imagine like the winds just pushing that into your boat that's a squall a white squall is like um oh i'm not sure how did it, it's basically I am, I'm t what would be the best way to describe it? Uh, you know how like, um, you know, water also, water spouts happen. Yeah, There's, it's a, basically a tornado of the sea is how I'm going to describe it. Like this vortex of wind forms and it like sucks the water up, and okay. it it becomes like this this um, it, it goes beyond like white caps. It becomes like like they call it like a microburst or something. So basically, water is being sucked up. And then there's violent wind all around, and your ship's being pushed into this wall of water that's being sucked up. And if you take it straight on with the head of your ship, it's like, yeah, this is going to suck. This is going to be violently jarring, and the boat's going to yaw around a lot, but you're going to be fine. But if you take this wall of water in the side, that's tons of water slamming into you at speed. You know, And it's, it's either going to flip the ship, break the bast, or do both You know, when you're talking about you know, sail ships. Um, something I was read about that they described they redescribed this as a derecho, which I've experienced that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's just like straight line speed, straight line winds for a long period of time. Which yeah, that would mean uh, like a, like a derecho squall would be more like a tidal wave. It's just like just a massive amount of water being pushed towards you. The way I understand them in the Great Lakes, and they say these don't happen at. at the place where this thing happened in the movie is like that would be at sea. They say they're super rare or they don't happen. But yeah. in the Great Lakes, they happen a lot because of like, because you have the like the land tornado just goes over the Great Lakes and sucks the water up and then it's pushing water violently towards you and you run it. It's like running into a wall of, of water. But the reason they call it a white squall is like, what does water look like, you know, at the caps where it's being, um, you know, slopped around a lot is like, yeah, it looks like white water. And it's like, yeah, that's what this looks like, but it's a wall of water. Um, well, also another mythical like storm thing I heard is like the three sisters where they talk about like if a ship gets hit by three, three of these waves in a row, there's no ship can survive it or whatever. But Yeah. That's uh that's like uh what do they call that? It's like a fluid dynamics thing. It, it's, it's like, yeah, the ship is like, it's pushed. And then it comes back down, and then the second one hits it, and it's water over the deck. And then the third one hits it, and it's just it's gone. It's over. It's like take it's been hit by so many tons of water at the worst points it can be as it's wallowing in the sea. It's just it's like yeah, it's Edmund Fitzgerald stuff. It's like it's just flooded. It's done, and it's going down fast. <laughs> 
But again, I, hey, I'm not a seaman, so I'm just like basing <laughs> this on the stuff I've read. Um, I forgot to mention this. Like before, you see the doc. She like gets knocked around and like falls into her bunk and like hits her head on something. And then we, here we get a second time where she gets out of the bunk and like kind of like rubbing her head. And then she takes like she gets thrown. This is like almost like comically thrown into another wall and hits her head again. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, like she's, she's done like two rounds with Mike Tyson at this point. Like she has, <laughs> she has traumatic concussions to the back and the front of her head. <laughs> but the way they acted out, it's almost like she's doing like a Three Stooges routine. <laughs> yeah, she looks like like the, those videos they show you from like the Chinese factories, uh, where where like the workers get like tossed around like Wiley e. Coyote in a Roadrunner video. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's over uh, the top bad. It's like, oh, she would be dead or unconscious. Yeah. For, but I guess it well, like it's it, well. They I like that they make one point is like, oh, she hit her head. But here they make not nah, she hit her head again. So yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, she's not coming back from this one. <laughs> I mean, she does, but just to dramatic effect. <laughs> oh yeah, this is where this movie goes from being kind of aw shucks to really dark. <laughs> if you put yourself in the uh, shoes of these characters. Yeah, because yeah. it's like that whole notion of like I'm trapped inside and drowning. That terrify for me personally. That terrifies the shit out of me. <laughs> There's a reason like I've never been diving or anything. And it's not because I'm too fat. And it's like if you really want to watch me get nervous, it's like let's go to the dam and watch water go through. It's like yeah, I'm gonna be like handcuffed to the railing because <laughs> the thought of being sucked into machinery and stuff underwater actually it's the only thing I'm afraid of. I mean, I don't like spiders. I don't like things crawling around and I will kill them, but I won't like scream and jump up into the air. But if you're like in water and I like I hear a machine start, I'm going to scream like a little girl. It's a weird <laughs> phobia I have. So like the deaths depicted in this movie scare the shit out of me. So it's like, good job, Ridley Scott. That and your alien stuff really freaked me out. <laughs> Because Alien makes me think about, like, bot flies and parasites in my body. <laughs> and this thing makes me think about being ground up in the inner workings of a dam somewhere. <laughs> which is like, neither of those things are ever going to happen to me. But they still really freak me out. It's like, you know, I'm going to yeah. die from some fat person's problem. But I'm really scared of parasites and machinery and water. Um. There's a piece of mass that breaks off. It's not the mass. It's just like one of the cross beams or whatever falls off and kind of like knocks over stuff on the boat. Uh, they start to abandon the lower decks. Uh, the ship is rolling over the, into the sea now. Now it's starting to take on water. Uh, they're abandoning the ship. The ship's flooding. Uh, they undo one of the lifeboats. Uh, Gil goes back for the picture of his brother. And I was just saying, no. I actually said it out loud. It's like, don't. Don't do this. And the cook disappears around this time. I wrote he go he gets falls into the rigging underwater, but I actually can't remember what happens to him. Yeah, he uh, he gets trapped by something. Uh and they're they they kinda like start they're trying to like undo the, the, the lifeboat and get into that, but they're all kinda like off the boat at this point. And then the ship starts rolling back up. Uh, and so then they go back to the boat. Uh, this is where, like, the skipper spots his wife, like, unconscious down below. So you can, like, see through, like, this window on top of the boat. But it's got a bunch of, like, grating on it. So And 
I'm not sure if it's meant to be lifted, but he's trying to lift it and it's not coming up. Yeah. Or maybe like the mast is on top of it. I'm not sure. Just the weight of the water over the top of it, it would be impossible. Yeah. Um, uh, truck uh, tries to go inside because they're looking for Gil. They find him. He's like stuck in his door. Like, he can stick his hand out of it, but then there's something caught down below and he keeps telling us, it's like, Gil, you got to push. And then eventually Gil just like tries to go out a different way. Uh, and then like I think yeah, it's like a it's like an air tank like a water tank or something yeah or no yeah it's like a like a diving tank but it's something yeah, it's like- yeah it just it's it's a, it's a MacGuffin it's it's the terrifying <laughs> scene in every like submarine slash boat movie where you can see the guy through the glass it's like I can't open this door I gotta go and you're you're just gonna die and it's like really but here horrible. it's extra because like the guy can fit his arm through but nothing else yeah it's like it's I can like... feel you it's not like a watertight door <laughs> where I'm because what was that what that K nineteen was that like uh, the scars guard guy was like we can't lower the pressure enough to open the door at this point because the reactor's making it so hot in that room or something you know it was like terrible uh, yeah. it's like you're just gonna die and. <laughs> I don't know if that happens in real life, but I couldn't imagine being on either side of that glass. It's like, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, I can't uh, open it. Um, but yeah, then, but then Gil kind of goes off the other way, like presumably either looking for a different way out or just not wanting to die in front of Chuck or something. You know, yeah. Spare, spare him that. Um, I want the dignity uh, of a quiet death, not an observed death. <laughs> Uh, but also, like, a Dean comes in and kind of drags him away. Yeah. Because uh, there's always the, the other guy. It's like, we got to go. What are you doing? It's like trying <laughs> to save someone's life. We got to go. It's like, are you a psycho? <laughs> this guy's going to, like, drown. It's like the worst death, right? It's the worst death, right? <laughs> All right, I got to go. It's This guy won't shut up. Sorry. <laughs> um uh, the skipper can't open the door to get his wife out. Here, his wife like comes to just to see like the skipper through the window. I hate this scene. Like, one, <laughs> they have one last look, and she's just kind of like helpless, and and then like it almost looks for a moment like he's drowning, but then he just like leaves to go surface and like. Well, he's got to save the kids. It's like that's his yeah. response. It's horrible. Like goodbye, wife. Like, <laughs> well, it's the only, the only thing that makes it like I guess somewhat less horrible about her death is that she's not like buried up to water at this point like it's only like kind of like like six inches high in her cabin yeah it's not like you know she's not like being like pushed against the wall trying to grab the last breath oh yeah she's gonna have like 30 minutes to think about this (laughs) which is almost worse in a way um and then uh let's see yeah, Skipper goes back to the surface. Dean is underwater. He gets caught up in the rigging, but he cuts one of the lifeboats free. Uh, and then like they, they, that, this they kind of like cut away tonight. And it's basically they don't show anybody's death, but you just know like oh like three people just died. Yeah, and he got or, like dragged uh, down in the mast or, or in the rigging, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. like oh he was trying to get a boat free to save others, and he just gets sucked down with the boat. It's it, yeah. And you can't do anything because you got like two or three minutes. Yeah. Struggling even less than that because you're just going to run through your oxygen. That's why I don't like water. It, yeah. Again, that's why well, machinery why? underwater freaks me out. It's like, it's going to grab me. Yeah. While a boat's sinking, it's just pulling you with it. And that boat weighs a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's night. So this is act three. It's night. They're, they're in the lifeboats. Here we get a voiceover that says, 
uh, Gerard, Dean, and Alice and Gil are all presumed dead because, like I said, they don't show their deaths, but you just know they're dead. Yeah, they're not like bobbing around, so they're dead. Uh, there's two lifeboats and they're hooked together, and one has a sail, which I'm not sure if that's that's how you do that or if that's how that's meant to work. I don't know. Or that they just jerry rig a sail, but they they see a sh- like a shipping. Like yeah, I think it's like well, they see a ship off in the distance. I'm not sure what it was. It was either like a shipping, like a or a container ship, or like an aircraft carrier. I don't know. It was the Enterprise. Because it looked kind of big off in the distance, but I don't know what it was. And so yeah, the uh, McCray gets into the the flare kit, puts the the flare in, and shoots it off, and then it kind of fades out. Uh, which is a surprise to me because I thought because like, how I read things is like oh they're all dead and it's like this whole moment where like they all come back to see it was just some weird bizarre dream and he's gonna wake up from or something like that yeah it's like oh no that's not... <laughs> no people survived this so. uh, we cut to St Petersburg Florida there's a crowd of media and families as they're like rescued from the seas which again I don't know how long it takes you to rescue someone from the sea but I don't know. <laughs> So I don't know what the time is between them on the boats and because uh, they have them in like like uniforms that are presumably just from the boat that they got rescued by or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a there's like a media sensation going on here, and so everyone's kind of like like weirded out by this, and so they all kind of get out of there. And so Chuck's with his family. They take him to a store so he can get some new clothes, and then Chuck goes in the changing room and starts having like a, a PTSD attack, where he just like remembers the the boat and the screams and all that stuff <laughs> um yeah it all seems quite believable you know it's yeah. like yes very i could see this then we cut to like the boys are all together which is this seemed weird to me because i'm like wait do they all come from the same place <laughs> like do they all live here or are they just stationed here for the moment like what's going on yeah i don't know what uh, happens this is like i need to find someone who's like in the coast guard and like like what? What would happen back then? It's like would they <laughs> second them at hotels and, and you know for the trial of the skipper? Or yeah. You think they just like go home? It's like, well, I'm glad I'm not dead. I'm gonna go home and like cry myself to sleep now for a month and then <laughs> write a you know story about it. But yeah. And then go got talk in front of strangers about what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'd sooner burn in hell. But you know, <laughs> some people like to do that. Uh, so yeah, the bo- the boys are arguing about over whose fault it was for the situation, uh, and also apparently learned that Frank and his parents are in town. And they're trying to discredit the skipper, or at least just Frank's dad is, you know, for reasons or whatever. I guess because he didn't immediately kiss his feet for being rich. <laughs> um, oh, those people are really like that sometimes too. It's that's not yeah. like a that's not the most unbelievable part of this story. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like oh yeah, I can see these guys doing this. <laughs> uh chuck goes to meet frank you know frank's like just like full-on like i'm going to be a stockbroker and everyone's beneath me <laughs> yeah. i said he's patrick bateman yeah uh, i'm surprised he's not like debating the guys it's it's like well do you know about huey lewis in the news you know his second <laughs> album was amazing and, um uh chuck tries to get frank to call off the tribunal but uh, he can't convince him, so he leaves the Chuck with the ship's bell, which they saved. WYSIWYG. Uh, <laughs> or no, what is it? Where we go? It's it's the QAnon stuff. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I like WYSIWYG. I mean, what you see is what you get. Yeah, no, no, I was, yeah, I totally screwed that up. I'm screwing up my QAnon lore. I, I should just, I should have, when that happened, I should have just spent all my time researching that. But I tried to, and I was like, oh, dumb. Okay, I'm bored. Next thing. But some people really got something out of it, and I feel like I kind of missed one of these, like, human moments that I'm supposed to understand, but I don't. But then I realized, no, this is just stupid. Um, so now there's a, there's a trial over, like, uh, I think it was the Coast Guard, whether Skipper should keep his license or not. Uh, the kids, they everyone gets, like, put on, like, that's not really trial. They just interview them in front of, like, a crowd and a judge. Yeah, no one's being prosecuted here. It's really just to determine whether the Skipper loses his, like, captain's license or not. Yeah. That's all this is. not like, oh, we're going to assign blame and someone's going to prison. It's played up that way, but it's like, no, that's not really what's at stake here. There's just like a Coast Guard, like, seamanship trial or hearing yeah. or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, that, that a few good men had come out by this point, so this is like, yeah, we should just copy that for this scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I know how hot Florida is, so I don't know if everyone in this courtroom scene is crying or sweating. I <laughs> don't know what's going on because they're wearing, like, very stiff uniforms and... They're crying from the sweating. Yeah. They're just like, oh, are you emotional, Captain? It's like, no, I'm dying inside from the heat. Uh, the kids try to take the fall for the incident, but the skipper, like, the skipper won't have that. He's like, no, it's like, I'm the one in charge. This is all on me. So he offers up his license to, like, appease the crowd, and he hands it over to some crowd of, like, admirals or whatever. Oh, these are, like, character actors you know, because, like, the main guy... Is like uh, James Reborn, and like you've seen him in everything. Mainly, yeah, he's like an evil guy or something. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, well, he was in Independence Day as like the um, Secretary of Defense. Um, <laughs> but then the guy, the other guy that's in it is the guy. He has a really difficult name, but he's been in everything. He was like the prosecutor for, or the the guy who was against the captain is is the the Zelcho Ivanek. He's like a character actor who's been in everything. You know this guy as soon as you see him. Yeah. And both of them are great. They did a great job in this. Um, Is that the guy that kind of talks very low like this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's he's very convincing. If you you would believe this guy is a lawyer or a doctor, everything he plays, <laughs> uh, he does a good job because he's like original. Or he's like a lawyer or a doctor or an evil lawyer or an evil doctor. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like originally from like Yugoslavia or something, but he's an American now. Like he doesn't. Um, yeah. But he sometimes he shows up in some stuff that's ported in from Europe where he's speaking German or French. And he's like, but he's an American actor. <laughs> he's just, you know, this guy. Uh, he just has this really complicated name. Uh, but it's like, oh yeah, all these character actors in this movie are amazing. Yeah, this is also like when he like. Like uh, the skipper gets up to like make this big like statement to the crowd is like, oh, it's like if this will if this will end your suffering like I'm going to do this and he hands over his license. Well, no, he's kind of like sincere. I like what he says is like, look, I can't bring your kids back. And of course, it's Jeff Bridges doing full Jeff Bridges. I can't bring your kids back. <laughs> but you know, if if taking my shit or whatever he says, if like taking if if that, if that appeases the crowd, then that's what I'm going to do. Because I'm, I mean, he is really sorry. Because he won't let the kids take the fall for like not turning into the storm or not turning to port or starboard. I know there was some debate about that, and I, it kind of yeah. got lost on me. But 
it was like, yeah, I'm not going to let these kids be put on trial for my mistakes, which is like, oh, this guy's actually noble. Okay, he's he's a cool guy because um, he's not going to let, like, teenagers be, like, emotionally ruined. We're like, no, I'm the reason all my friends are dead. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's just evil. But but in real life, most people would actually do that. But And, and this is also where I wrote – Somehow everyone forgets that he lost his life. <laughs> it's like, remember, this isn't just like a free, like, all right, on to the next thing. Like, his life is ruined, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and also what's really, I mean, one of the reasons, like, I think the, the, the flipping of the boat and the actual white squall scene, which is only like four minutes of the movie, really hit me is because, like, this really happened in some way. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly how it went down. I don't know if he saw his wife before she died. Or, <laughs> I don't know if any of that really happened. But essentially, the cook, uh, his wife, and four students actually died in real life. Um, you know, it, it probably wasn't as dramatic as it appeared in the movie. But, yeah, we do forget that in the trial. It's like, yeah, we're going to rake this guy over the coals because his rich dad is upset. But his <laughs> wife is dead. <laughs> and, and and he also obviously hates himself because all these other kids are dead too. Uh, but we're going to crucify this guy to, to slake the, the lust of like Donald Trump or whoever this other guy is supposed to be. Um, and then uh, at, like the skipper like starts leaving and then Chuck kind of stops him and like addresses everyone and the captain with like an emotional plea. Um which I didn't write down what it was because I was like, this is all just cheap garbage to me at this point. Yeah, it gets dumb after this. I, I like what the captain says when he hands in his license and like there and he's walking out and they're banging the gavel like, Captain, come back. And then the guy, uh, uh, Frank, brings the bell and starts ringing it. And it's like, okay, yeah. we're, we're in dumb. This is where the QAnon people really latch on to like, yeah, we're going to storm the Capitol and win. It's like, no, not really. You're just going to do a long time in federal prison. I wrote Frank pulls out and rings the ship's bell for an empty gesture that creates a group hug, and thus everything was okay. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything, they're all resurrected from the dead now, right? We're not gonna live with post-traumatic stress all our lives. No, you know, especially from the guy, the one guy that wasn't on the ship that when yeah. all this happened. It's like, yeah, we gotta win him back because he didn't watch everyone die horribly. <laughs> because it's like drowning is like oh that's one of the deaths like being lit on fire like people choose between it's like how do you want to die in the most horrible way but yeah the one guy who wasn't there who essentially like slaughtered flipper in front of us and it's like yeah let's bring him around we want him on our team because yeah he's not going to shoot you in the back when you're not looking um so yeah i just thought yeah this is I like five six of this movie, which that one six is just the the boat <laughs> crash scene. Yeah, that's my exactly. That's my problem with this movie too. Is is like when I say it's a, like a lot more aw shucks than I remember. I don't say that because it's like that really won me over. It's like oh god, this is dumb. Um, I but yeah, because I I know how technically this how this moment is supposed to feel. But sometimes I like interject myself in the like if I was there, would I feel the emotion they want me to? And I would feel embarrassment if this happened in real life. Yeah. I could <laughs> see you in the background the bell, as like ex, as like, you know, cast member number seven like rolling your eyes like oh <laughs> shit. 
This is how we exonerate our psychosis and foolishness with by ringing a bell. Like, this is okay now. All our stupid decisions led to this death and ruin. But ding, 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 ding. It's like, ah. Yeah, it's it's cheap. But, but again, this like, is why I call the 90s like you know, Ridley Scott's like wilderness period. Yeah. Like he's wandering in the woods. He doesn't know where he's going. But also just seemed like this is a movie. It's like this was a movie ready to go. And so he just chose it because he needed a paycheck. So I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know, he produced the movie. So I don't, know if, I don't know. He had some faith in it. No, also, like Ridley Scott believes in the stuff he does, good or bad, Prometheus. And we know <laughs> like. Like, the, like I said, the same, uh, again, the same guy that made Alien also made Prometheus with the same amount of verve and belief in both movies. I know he had it. I don't know the guy, but I know he had it. I can tell. But it's like, oh, one of these things went wildly off course, and one of these things was perfect. And it's weird how that happens. And it can happen to all of us. You know, take it from someone who started, like, lots of home improvement projects with, like, I'm going to be the guy that shows you that middle-age home improvement can work and completely failing. Like, I'm not failing to the point where I, like, I still have both my thumbs. Like, not failing that badly, but almost that badly. So it's like, it fascinates me studying this kind of failure when there's this kind of success behind it. It's like, huh, this is amazing. How did you get to this point where you thought all this would work? Well, this is what I was wondering. Does Ridley Scott have children? particularly does he have sons yeah i think i think one of them is an actor i don't know let me look go ahead go ahead with your point and i'll look this up well what this movie felt like is this felt like a movie like a movie for dads to take their sons to when they don't know how to talk to their children <laughs> and then afterwards he'd be like see son you know if you if with discipline you can be like you know this is why we're sending you to military school it's like because you want me to die it's like you take the wrong lessons from everything yeah <laughs> yes he has three children and they're all like 10 years older than me so they're like in their 50s and 60s well he's in his 80s so yeah his kids are in like their 50s and 60s so i was wondering if he like made this movie like for his kids or something like that <laughs> and so like a lot of this cheap like emotional garbage like meant a lot to him because he was having a bad time with his family <laughs> yeah i don't know that's me that's me uh guessing well there's some reason ridley scott thought this was like something i mean because you like yeah your whole production company's involved in this and basically financed the whole thing and it's like there's some reason you pinned your banner on this and i for the life of me don't know what it is <laughs> I mean, I had to, most of this movie's, most of the enjoyment I got out of this movie, and I've this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it, is doing the research on why the ship flipped over. It had nothing to do with how I feel about the movie. <laughs> it was like, oh, why did this happen? And, oh, it has a weird connection to a political movement that staged some kind of weird coup in this country, like, <laughs> recently. It's, a, you know, yeah. 30 years after the movie came out. It's like, oh, these weirdos are, like... They love the bell and the message, and we yeah we go all. And it was like cheap and stupid in the movie, and it's cheap and stupid when you tried to like kill Nancy Pelosi or whatever the hell you were doing. It's like it's just as dumb in either context. But one of my favorite directors like did it. It's like, well, why did this happen? Um, 
I mean, he didn't like. Okay, Ridley Scott did not storm the Capitol on January sixth, <laughs> but um, he made this movie. That to clarify my point. Uh, um, yeah. But we cut. They have. Uh, they have. We have cuts of credits, and we have the scene from when they were on that like uh, uninhabited island or just the cool island. Um, and then we get like info cards on top of it, and here we get all the people that actually died on the albatross, which is like eight or six people or something. Six, like yeah, that. six, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're in the movie. It's two or it's four. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and we get some more info. It's like so. Three years later, Chuck and Todd went to Vietnam and came back. So again, not elaborated, but you know, it's like oh, these guys went through a horrible thing and then like got sent to another horrible thing. Yeah, well, they were one of the main characters in Matterhorn, which was a novel we discussed a couple of years ago. <laughs> they weren't, but yeah. It would have been weird. It's like, yeah, I almost drowned. And, you know, it's like now I'm like trying to storm a hill uh, and deal with the bureaucracy of the like U- the Marines in Vietnam. It's like weird. <laughs> we got to get our kill count up. So we left this, <laughs> left this, uh, this hill so when we came back there'd be people to kill so we could get our kill count up. yeah I, I was dealing with you know captain sheldon at, at sea and then now i'm you know fighting <laughs> math war with uh you know uh what's his name uh Mac- McNamara. yeah me and mcnamara are fighting math war it's like god I, these weird old men that come into my life with these <laughs> bad ideas <laughs> um and that kind of I don't know, this is weird. It says like three years later, but then we cut back basically in time in the title credit. It says, in the spring of 1961, the skipper became the first Peace Corps director in Latin America. Yeah. I don't really know what that means, but yeah. Peace Corps that. was something that Kennedy started in the 60s yeah, as an alternative to a colonialization, which was like something America never really participated in, but kind of benefited from. So instead of like being actual. Like we're sending in the Redcoats colonialization. We're going to do soft American infrastructure colonialization. So, yeah. I mean, that that's just me being cynical. This guy probably <laughs> did some nice things like build some wells for people in yeah. South America. Or took the people who do those things to the place to do that. Yeah, do this. Um, he actually tried to start another one of these schools, but it didn't last very long. <laughs> wonder why. It's like, hey, you want to send – hey, kids – you want to go out to sea with this guy <laughs> like lost regardless of whether it's his fault or not it's like <laughs> i don't know if i want to sign my kids up for that well it says in the spring of 61 he gets this peace corps thing which means that this he got that job like three months later from yeah <laughs> when this trial happened oh yeah <laughs> um he has experience send him in <laughs> also i wrote sting sings a song called valparaiso yep <laughs> so there's that <laughs> yeah, if you look at sting's history he's done a lot of songs for a lot of movies it's like why is he here doing that it's like the money <laughs> and sting is just generally cool yeah like when he was playing those medieval lutes and stuff that he learned is like oh that's kind of cool and way psychotic pretentious but also it's sting it's cool uh so we're sending a probe into space containing the <laughs> the uh scenes from the imperfect collection that is the verhoeven effect nathan what scene from white scar we shoving into space oh god yeah and this is going to be a shove we're going to dry dock this with no vaseline into space (laughs) where we ring the bell in the courtroom (laughs) 
Don't we gotta? I mean, we got we gotta put the 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 wreck in the right. It's the only good scene in the movie. No, well, but if we want to get the pretentious beauty of this movie, <laughs> the wreck was the only the four and a half minutes of this movie we liked from one of my favorite directors. I don't know if it's one of your favorite directors, but definitely one of my favorite directors. Is, is like, no, we can't include that because that's really not the whole... That's just the part of the movie we liked. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to ring the bell. And in an empty gesture that's based in pure, like, pyrrhic defeat, because we lost, people died, the ship sunk, but we we're going to ring the bell and say it's, it's, it's not the journey, it's the destination. Or it's not the destination, it's the journey, you know? It's, I totally f*** that up, but yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> It's it's not the it's yeah it's not the uh, getting there it's the journey that's that's yeah. we ring the bell and this is like what we learned along the way, it's 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 not how the Reich ended it's the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> the Russians. <laughs> the the Rus yeah our Russian friends. I keep changing it. Uh, you can find us at well I, we're on almost every podcast platform. You can find us at verhoeveneffect.com. On that platform of your choice, you can rate us. You can raise whatever you want. Remember, the algorithm only listens to the highest rating. Remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. We also have listener support at verhoeveneffect.com. You can support us on a monthly stipend on either 99 cents, 49, or 9.99. Cancel anytime. You can find us at Twitter at Verhoeven Effect, Facebook Verhoeven Effect. You can find us on YouTube at American Greed Factory. Watch both this and that show live and unedited. We also have t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash greed factory. So for the Verhoeven Effect Podcast, I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. Wait, goodbye, America. One more thing before you say goodbye. Bob Barker died today. Oh. And he came as close to a dollar as you can get without going over. <laughs> goodbye, America. <laughs>